warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 237. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jake, uh, here we go. Episode 237. Yeah. Getting up there every week. One more closer to 300. I know. 300. Uh, yeah. We are not alone this week. We are joined by second time on the podcast. First time on the podcast was episode 200. So welcome back, Tristan Brown. Hey, guys. Great to be back. Yeah, uh, yeah, tell great us, to have you. tell us a little bit about your fandom, like what you're into. So, I guess I'm really into Star Wars, that's my thing. I'm that dude that's always walking around with the annoying Star Wars t-shirts and I'm into Marvel and DC. I was really heavily in the comics as, as a kid and then that kind of, uh, turned into a Star Wars infatuation as well. Yeah, so uh, you'll be happy to know that we literally have almost no Star Wars news this week. So oh, <laughs> you joined us on the perfect episode there, Tristan. I'm going to create some news. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Solo, Tristan? Did you like Solo? Yeah, it's Solo. You know, it's the first Star Wars movie that I saw one time and I was done with it. That's why Oof. they call it Solo. <laughs> my solo viewing yeah <laughs> they were like they were like we're gonna we're gonna call it solo because it's only yeah. worthy of the one viewing <laughs> yeah I, I didn't hate it i can't say i hated it or yeah. anything like that but to be honest with you i had low expectations going in and just the fact that they pulled it off that ron howard was able to um actually make something worthy of putting on the screen i think is a big accomplishment on their part yeah i mean when you're 70 to 80 percent done with the film um a lot of shifting going on over there what's going on shifty Mc, mcshifterson's making an appearance on oh, this episode too is that me shifting think, yeah i don't think it's me i'm like <laughs> freeze tag still yeah that's fine let me sit still yeah i don't i don't know go ahead do some jumping jacks i don't know <laughs> if, like, if we're that, if we're that fucking boring tristan 
<laughs> like running in place and shit. <laughs> oh man! Um, and by the way, I'm still waiting on my fucking bumper. I know. I sent it off. I told you. I sent it off. I sent them all off. And uh, she is terrible. She she was awesome when she was on the service, and now that I just deal with her one on one, she is absolutely terrible at getting them to me. I sent her an email. I'm just, I know you're I'm just saying there's shit. a there's a one star review coming. That's fine. You give me you give me that one star <laughs> review. I'll I'll send you our correspond. I'll send you my correspondence with her. Jesus, she's terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I was gonna, what I was gonna do. I was gonna. I was gonna just gonna drop her and do like different bumpers from somebody else. I was like, oh, I'll get a bunch of Morgan Freeman ones done, and then that shit happens <laughs> with with Morgan Freeman, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know if people want Morgan Freeman bumpers now. So, <laughs> oh man, Can I do a Morgan Freeman impression. Do you? Gag, do it. All right, it's gonna be terrible, but. <laughs> Every day when I was a little boy, I would listen to pop culture leftovers. <laughs> that was terrible. No, there was, <laughs> there, there were shades of Morgan Freeman in there. <laughs> uh, not enough. It, you, you wouldn't fool Andy Dufresne, but you could definitely fool some people, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. It needs work. Yeah, yeah, a little, little work. I, w- I definitely wouldn't have paid for it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Offering my services here. Um, let's see here. We do have, uh, so yeah, you're a Marvel. Are you a DC guy? I love DC. In fact, when I was a kid, I had more DC comics than anything. So, you know, that was my thing. I really loved DC. Um, I had Marvel peppered in, um, but I was a big Batman fan. I got um, Batman issue 485 right after Batman Returns came out. And that was my first comic book. Nice. And I followed Batman for hundreds of issues and, you know, then I got into, you know, the Marvel stuff. I really got into X-Men and, and Spider-Man and throwing Fantastic Four. I really liked the, the classic Marvels though. I would always go and get the, the old school, uh, comics that were from the sixties, you know, the box and board ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. the back, the bag and board ones. Yeah. So that was like mainly my, 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 uh, my biggest love of Marvel was the old classic Stan Lee and um, Jack Kirby and Ditko. I would always read those. Yeah, those are fun to read. I always yeah. loved buying the like the big black and white essential books they did. It was a cheap way to get like a big chunk of comics. Like you didn't get the color, but yeah. you got thirty issues of it. You know, I remember that. the big black and white essential book, like a yeah. trade paperback or something. Or yeah, they have essential X Men, essential Spider Man, essential oh, right, Fantastic right, right. Four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Those are at like uh, Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that. I've seen them there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I had tons and tons of comic books until my girlfriend made me throw them away. <laughs> and it's sad because she's no longer here. <laughs> oh, that was my next question. <laughs> no, that was that was a poor judgment on my part. Oh man. Oh man. She made you throw shitty, them away. Sh- shitty judgment. She made me throw them away. I was pussy whipped. Oh man! Oh God! I oh, those, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, and those. Well, you know what? I, I sold them to a guy that I didn't throw them away. I sold them to a guy who who bought, you know, who purchased them and said he was going to take care of them. So I know that they're in good hands. But but yeah, yeah, I had it, boxes it, and boxes. It was. It's the classic. Uh, you know, what was it the forty year old virgin movie where like he gets in a relationship and she starts making him sell off his collection and all this stuff and. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, it just taught me a lot of things, you know. You, you don't want to be with someone who doesn't let you be who you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, now now you know that. Now you've got that life lesson, and you can, like, when those red flags are raised, you're like, okay, fuck off. Oh, now. I'm out the door yeah. as soon as those red flags are waved. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like, my, seriously, like, my whole <laughs> uh, last few years of, of me dating, if I have gone on any dates over the last few years, have been all red flags. To the <laughs> been all red flags. I, I, I've just done the circuit to where, like, I've just noticed, like, everybody's got fucked up problems, so, <laughs> so <laughs> no one is safe. Uh, let's see here. You guys ready to move into iTunes reviews? Yeah. All let's right. Do it. Time for iTunes reviews. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck Cause we really love to hear Just how much we suck Guys, Chris Dubach And your host is a jerk I'm an opinionated asshole Whose dick don't work Yada yada blah blah Fuck you too These are our iTunes reviews Alright, first iTunes review uh, Comes from Nelly Arcia yeah, I think I said that right. Nelly Arcia. And it's uh, titled, iTunes, you son of a bee. And it goes on to say, so iTunes removed my wonderfully re- uh, written review. But alas, I am too profane for these motherfuckers. Uh, I just want to sum up what I had to say in the first review I wrote. You guys are fucking awesome. Keep up the good work. I was a first-time listener for the Infinity War review as was most people, and I absolutely fell in love with you guys. The lack of filter was the best thing about the podcast, and don't let these pansies bring you down with their weak one-star reviews. Please be gentle, iTunes. So he was, I guess he was a little bit more um, crafty here. Well, he was profane, but he was crafty when he did it, Jake, is what I'm trying to say. He took use, uh, he took, uh, used the asterisk this time. Um, before he did not use asterisks and just dropped F-bombs, like F-U-C-K, <laughs> spelling it out. So now now we've got a crafty iTunes reviewer using the asterisk and uh, hopefully getting away with this iTunes review. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll work for him. Yeah, that was a good review. I like it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Seal of approval. <laughs> okay, there we go. The, the old stamp of approval, the old Jake... Stamp seal of approval, and we move on, I guess. Uh, Red Hood, Mike Schneck sends us one. It's titled, Keep It Up. Keep up the good work. Always enjoy your shows. It helped me through, helped me get through a deployment, so thank you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that last review. This one's way better. I don't know. Thank you, you for your you, service. Yeah, thank you for your service. Absolutely, but you know, so you're you're stripping the last one of its uh, of its famous short-lived seal of approval, and then slapping it on this one. Yeah, I've only got one seal this episode, so yeah, it's it's gone from that first. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, like when you rip a piece of tape off, it's not as sticky as it was before. So this one's just kind of like barely hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> like peeling off at the corners. Peeling off at the corners, you know. A fucking a light wind could blow the seal off at this point. So who knows? This you might like this next one more. Who knows? Uh, spicy. It's titled Spicy. It's a five star. It's from Brown and One. And uh, we all know those guys. Oh God, yeah, this one. We all know those guys who drive super tricked out trucks, which are loud and obnoxious and are truly overcompensating for something. 
Uh, that's this podcast. But instead of obnoxious trucks, the hosts have this podcast. So basically, Jake, me and you, we have micro penises. We've never been able to satisfy a woman. And we were thinking, how can we substitute for our tiny penises? Oh, let's come out with a podcast. That's six hours long. That's six hours long. <laughs> yeah, our lovemaking is not quite that long or satisfying, so we might as well make a podcast where we can have a six-hour session and satisfy thousands of people. Oh, that's hilarious. This was a one-star, I take it? No, it's a five-star. It's a five-star. No, it's just... How the uh, fuck are you going to give us five stars and then call us micro-dicks? I know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It, it, it. And it's not like this is, like, the most original joke. Yeah, people have been using, like, a, oh, you got the Corvette to make up for something small, didn't you? Or whatever. Like, you know, boys like big trucks because they have small dicks or all uh, this. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. Jake, I've just, I'll just admit to it. I've just never been able to, to satisfy a woman in my entire life. Just my tiny, my tiny limp dick has just never been able to quite be up to the challenge ever. And so I was like, yeah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to retire this penis and I'm going to, I'm going to talk into this mic that actually kind of looks like a big one. So. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I really admire the courage you're showing by just putting that out there. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's, I don't know, man. I, I feel like a, a great burden has been lifted. Not the big burden of my gigantic <laughs> penis, but, you know, cause, you know, it does nothing. It's a, it's micro. Yeah. I just want to say that some people drive big cars because we want the room. There you go. They, oh, they, <laughs> Tristan's like my dick rides shotgun. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you, Brown and Wyatt. At least he gave us five stars. At least he didn't. At least he didn't talk about how much he loved the podcast and then give us a one star like we had a few weeks ago. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely. Not cool. Not cool. And, uh, just terrible. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a listener from Beijing. And, uh, Brooke Doherty, God bless her. She says, well, you think, you think that, you know, that review that you guys trashed on, maybe something was lost in translation. And I, he, Jake, he quote, quote, told you to chortle your balls. I don't think that anything <laughs> in that fucking review was lost in translation when he calls you a DC yeah, hater. Sounds like he's got a pretty good grasp on the English language right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's getting along just fine. I don't think it was anything lost in translation. <laughs> I think Beijing is hip to our slang. Anyway, <laughs> this next one comes from Damon Ray. Uh, Pop Culture Heaven is the title. Um, oh man. You remember the Bangles? Ooh, baby. Ooh, heaven is a place oh. on earth. Yeah, walk like an Egyptian. Oh, walk like an Egyptian. I was, I was a, uh, I was a closet Bangles fan. I wouldn't, I would never have told anybody. You know, you know, since we're coming clean, I come clean about my tiny dick. I might as well just let everybody know as a child, I was a closet Bangles fan. I was I was I was uh, diddling my fucking micro penis and listening to the Bengals in my You're bedroom. A manic Monday. I, it was just another <laughs> just another manic Monday. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Ah. Anyway, it comes from Damon Ray. It's a five star. I love this show. It is not for everyone, but give it a chance. I enjoy everything about the show. The hosts are great. He says the hosts are great. So you don't mean it, you mean plural, right? The hosts are great, like both of us, right? That's it, yeah. 
All right, anyway. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, you have to add S to host. It's not one of those weird words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't always agree with the, I love this. Here we go. I don't always agree with their opinions, but I really enjoy hearing a different point of view. It makes me think, and they changed my mind on a few things. They always have great suggestions during the Good Pop, Bad Pop segment. It's a long show, three to four hours, but I love the length. Because there is no fluff. I wish it was longer. So do I, buddy. Trust me. I know. And I'm no, I'm, our world. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my micro penis again. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they do it because I know if they put out four hours, they have to spend at least six hours with setup, breaks, and shutdown, not to mention editing. If you enjoy pop culture, do yourself a favor and check these guys out. I don't know. The process is, the process isn't that brutal. <laughs> he just has yeah. me shaking over here after he said that. What's that? Six hours. Oh, sh- he has me shaking after he said that. I'm like, oh shit! Wait, uh, six hours. Oh god. No, we're not doing six hours tonight, Tristan. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, buddy. It's gonna be all right, man. We're not. It's not gonna. Be, Tristan's worried about it being wee hours of the morning <laughs> before he gets yeah. the. It's no. gonna be a fucking manic Monday when we're done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have got some tread out of that joke, haven't you, buddy? <laughs> you know There's what? There's only so many bangle songs. <laughs> He's, he's doing a, hey. a feverish Google search right now for Bengal songs. <laughs> I'm not ready to get rid of those tires. All right, all right. They do have the extended warranty. I don't know where we're going with this, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, uh, anyway, Damon Ray. Yeah, I honestly with the show, um, I would say that like once it's done, I don't do any like editing. I don't take anything out of the show. Uh, but I do, the only thing I really do is kind of I have to, uh, I use a compressor to get the volume the same, and then also I use Levelator to get the entire show's levels the same. That's really all I do, but it does take about five to six hours for me of me just sitting there and waiting for it to get done. So I'm usually like watching Netflix or something or diddling my micro penis or whatever I do in those moments. So, um, it's really not that bad. Uh, great podcast. Love the show. This one comes from Michael Mack, 1522. Great podcast. Been listening for about four weeks now. Love the content and the contrasting opinions. I just, I just wish they wouldn't blow themselves about bats so much kidding love the show yeah last week we had the had the one itunes reviewer said we we blow each other during during the old itunes segment we're just it's constant wall-to-wall fellatio going on just sucking each other off jake we're sometimes we're double fisting it we're getting just 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 semen splashing us in the face like we just went down the goddamn log ride it's just, oh man i hate this flashback yeah the splashback on the log ride this guy last week we talked about what we talked about the bridge of bats that scott was talking about so yeah funny stuff there buddy that was good. <laughs> that didn't sound sincere. I liked it. I, I like that iTunes review. Uh, next one comes. From, we got a long one here at the end, which kind of frustrates me because it's really long. I don't know. Um, this one comes from. It's from Jackie E. It's titled Tupperware, and it's a five star. As all podcasts go, each of the hosts and guests have their own personalities and stories, which is great when playing off each other. Jake, I've always thought that we should have kind of like a hive mind when it comes to when we do our podcast personally. Like we should all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we could be like the Vermilion from Legion, basically. Yeah, exactly. If you're watching Legion, yeah, it's, a, it's a hive mind mentality these machines have. 
And I was always or thinking, the Borg. The Borg, exactly. <laughs> I was always thinking like zero contrasting opinions. Um, one person says one opinion, everyone concurs. I agree. I agree as well. Move on. That's fun. That's good. Right? Yeah, it gets it gets Tristan out of here real quick that way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tristan, Tristan, are you going to be able to make it? You good? You're you're like two hours behind us, aren't you? Yeah, it's like yeah, pretty early over here. So Tristan's, <laughs> Tristan's like not too good at time, Brian. So yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can you wrap it up? Next review? No, this uh, this goes on to say, I love the longer length of the podcast as it fills up my day with good opinions and thorough critiques that I can trust will always deliver, even if movie critics or audiences hate or love movies. Even if they don't always stay, uh, start or stay on topic, that is merely a nitpick and by no means lessens the podcast as a whole. Keep up the good work, and that comes from Jackie E., that was a good one too. I, I don't. I guess we do venture off topic quite a bit, but that's yeah. just kind of when the most fun happens. Yeah, you're just talking about splashback. It's all about the splashback. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, the, the thing is, the thing is, it's like, uh, I, you know, even if even if somebody did complain and say, yeah, they go off on the rails and they start talking about other stuff and blah 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 blah, and they give it a one star, eh, it's still going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't look at it and go, oh, okay, yeah, their thoughts are organized, presented clearly and concisely. I think we can take that into account and make some uh, do changes. No, I, I'm just like, no, we're going to keep doing the same fucking thing. You know what I mean? I'm not going to change a goddamn thing, Jake. If yeah, it broke. broke, why fix it? Exactly. Yeah, well, there we go. Uh, did he say Manic Monday again? Is that what he said? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm looking for the next single. Okay. I didn't know. It was either Manic Monday or Splashback. I knew it was one of the two. I didn't, I was, it was a 50 50 shot for me there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hold an eternal flame for the way we do this podcast. By the end of it, we're going to have a whole new rating system. It's going to be Manic Monday, Splashback, and whatever the fuck. <laughs> I like Eternal Flame as the Discoverware. <laughs> Oh man. Uh this one's titled These Guys that 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 five star comes from T'Challa seventy. And uh T'Challa seventy originally had posted another review that was way shorter. Way shorter. And apparently T'Challa seventy was like, Nope, not no, that's not good. I gotta I gotta write a whole goddamn novel. T'Challa seventy, I really enjoyed the original review. It was to the point. It was so concise, and now there's just a lot of rambling going on here. It's almost like you're—it's almost like you're just trying to hijack the show. Like, did oh he my, give you the same rating? Same rating, absolutely same rating. Just a completely different review. T'Challa just wasn't done talking. No, no, T'Challa has a lot more to say here. A lot more to say. I think T'Challa needs to freeze. <laughs> What? What's going on? I never freeze. Oh! <laughs> uh, oh I guess we have a fucking time difference here with the jokes. Yeah, I guess I'll, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll laugh at him two hours later. <laughs> uh, this one goes on to say, after my brain was rent asunder by Avengers, I desperately searched the interwebs for discussion of the aforementioned film. Unfortunately, the first show I found was PCL. This rolling dumpster fire features a sort of Riggs and Murtaugh pair of unfortunates who gab on and on about seemingly everything except what they advertise. One guy is named Jake. 
I think. At first, he... At first glance, he strikes me as the kind of guy who seems normal 24-7, but he's actually just waiting for the purge so he can eat people consequence-free. The other guy, Brian, has a somewhat different flavor. If Brian is not saying the F word, he's complaining about time travel in movies, an activity more fruitless than eating pecans and hubba-bubba simultaneously. Uh, Brian is so adorably bitter that in one episode he actually said, if you're a guy listening to this podcast, fuck you. I have to admit, though, when he said that, a wide smile came across my face as I responded, fuck you too. I have yet to nail down exactly what Brian does for a living, but I bet dollars to donuts that, given the rage rage he incarnates, he must work for the city dredging rivers for hobos. Another guy named so Frank. fucked up. I know. This is, I don't know. It, Another guy named Frank shows up occasionally when he can get out of that gimp suit in Zed's basement. These guys are very knowledgeable, and their discussions are always enlightening. That's where it should have that been the whole review right there, buddy. Like that last sentence. Like, boom. Right there. Right there. Like, everything, everything before that, you could have just, I don't know, you could have highlighted it and hit delete. And it just sent to these guys are very knowledgeable, and their discussions are always enlightening. Yeah, this guy tries to be way too clever in this review, and it comes off as not funny at all, right? Uh, I don't know, man. The pecans and hubba bubba thing had me kind of rolling in my seat here, Jake. Um, <laughs> gotta admit. <laughs> oh, I do note sarcasm. No, it's relatable humor, you know? Like, ah, oh, oh, oh. no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the original review is so good too. I really enjoyed it. It was uh it was um like it was titled something like uh I like this podcast and then like the review went on to say something like I like listening to this podcast at my place of employment. And it sounded like a child reading a book report, you know. I like this podcast. I enjoy listening to this podcast at my place of employment. And I was just like <laughs> That is adorable. And then I get, then, and then he's like, no, no, I gotta, hold on. I, ah, Riggs and Murtaugh, and Jake is, uh, the purge eating people, and, uh, Brian and the hubba bubba, and the fuck you, and the, the gimp outfit, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, I was just getting ready for like, uh, see me out at, uh, you know, Zanies on Main Street in Chicago. I'll be there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, this review. I'm not removing the seal to put it on this. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. No, thank you for the five star. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. Right, we're just giving you shit. That's what we do. That's what we do. All right, guys. You ready to move on into uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop? Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Everybody still here? Still here, Jake. I thought we lost him. I heard. I it sounded like we lost yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, we're going to pause. All right, hey, we are back. Welcome back, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where I went there. I, I think I thought the purge happened and I took off for a second. <laughs> false alarm. Uh, you guys excited for the. Do, uh, you guys. Tristan, do you watch the purge movies? Uh, I saw the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also uh, partook in uh, the purge little demonstration thing they have at Universal Studios over here, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? What was that? How was that? Uh, you just get chased around by people wielding chainsaws and shit like that. Oh, that's that's cool. It'd be uh I don't know. I uh what are they they do some really cool stuff out there. I was trying to think of some other stuff. Like I, I know like didn't HBO set up like uh oh they did it at I think it was like Sundance or something. They did like a Westworld kind of uh thing where they they actually had like actors pretend to be like robots and stuff like oh, that. Really? Did like a whole Westworld kind of like yeah, that would, I don't know, that would be so much fun if that was like a touring kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I would, yeah, that'd be dope. Kind of like, you know, like they do these pop-up restaurants, you know, and they got mm-hmm. the, they got, they had the, the, what is it, the Max from Bayside, Saved by the Bell, they had that up in Chicago for a while, and it, basically it's like you're walking into, you know, the Max. And, oh yeah, over uh, here they had a, um, you know, Coming to America, McDowell's. Oh. They created one of those. <laughs> So did oh, they, that's awesome. So the 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 big what was it? The big did they call it the the, the big Mick? The big Mick did not yeah. have the sesame seeds. Right, no no <laughs> seeds in my buns. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love that movie. It's still great. The movie's so awesome. Um, all right, so yeah, good pop, bad pop. I want to uh, real quickly. I want to let everybody know that I did watch. Um, oh, Jake, I watched Room Two Thirty Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was fascinating. Oh my god! It is Jake. It feels like you know, like James Gunn puts these cute little Easter eggs in his movies, but like this is like taking it to another level, dude. Yeah, I, it's like it gets to the point where some of the stuff seems real legit, but then it's like, yeah. I mean, he he couldn't have had it mean seven different things. No, 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 no. I mean, and see, that's the thing. It's like. Some of these, I think they're right. They nail it on the head. And some of the things I think that people are kind of dreaming up, but it, it still fits. And that that in itself is amazing that, you know, like the whole story of the um, and I'm not saying like what's real and what's not, but like the whole like the, the suffering of Native Americans and stuff like that within the movie. It's like oh, I, I bought I bought that I too, saw it. the blood in the elevator yes. and stuff. Yeah, and then like all of the the uh, Native American uh, you know signage and things like that and the on the wall and like the rugs and all this stuff. I'm like I'm totally buying into it. And uh, the, what else was it that the, I mean? Yeah, the moon landing stuff was fascinating. It really was. Like I, it makes it, it it makes you like question everything that you know. It's wow. so bizarre. It is so yeah, it, bizarre. Wasn't it crazy when they showed the overlaid footage? I was, I the was forwards and backwards. Stuff? I, was, I was blown away by the the overlay. I was blown away by it. I was blown away by like the shot of Jack Nicholson and the way the blood kind of lined up with the face. Yeah, I was blown away with the fact of you had um, just different characters in the scenes, and it looked. It, it almost looked like it was telling you another story. It was so, it was wild, man. It was wild. Yeah, it's like, I wonder if he thought of that, like the timing of it, like so much of that. Yeah. Like, 
met up so well. It's like, how do you even plan that out? Yeah, I I don't know. Just a brilliant filmmaker, if that's the way it worked out or if it was just serendipitous, you know? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I haven't seen The Shining since, like, the early 90s. If I were to watch Room 237, should I do that before re-watching The Shining or vice versa? I would watch it before and then watch it again through a different lens. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Brian because it's like if you watch the, sh- the movie first and then watch Room 237, you're just going to yeah. want to watch Shining again. Exactly. Mm, okay. Exactly. Yeah, because like I haven't seen I haven't seen The Shining in over a decade, and you know it was it, it, now I'm wanting to watch The Shining again after watching Room 237, which I, I think I watched it like on Thursday, and I was just kind of like at at first I was just kind of like. Oh my god, just, uh, dude, there's so much that I want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil it. So just watch it. It's on Hulu. It's a documentary. It's about, uh, Stanley Kubrick, um, The Shining, and just all these crazy things that, um, you can't see. Like, it, unless you've watched it so many times, you just, you, you would never notice this stuff. I like, I would never have noticed any of this stuff, Jake. Like, ever. No. No, I love the guy that's like basically said he hated the movie, but yes. then he just kept going to see it over and over again. <laughs> he kept being drawn back to it, and he didn't know why. And yeah, that was unreal. And that was, and, and you know, and it wasn't like I, I didn't even know this because I, I wasn't, of course, I was two years old when The Shining came out. But like the reception for the movie was not like that favorable. So as, as opposed to like Kubrick's other works. Yeah, it was a little bit of the combination of angry book fans and just not as popular as his other movies. Yeah. Uh, I want everybody to know, I did watch uh, Paramount made Yellowstone, the Kevin Costner series available to me um, through screeners, and they made episodes two and three available to me. I watched me, Rebecca, and um, Stephanie, we reviewed episode one i'm not going to really get into it too much i just want everybody to know that episode three is a tupperware episode like it is fantastic you get to learn a lot more about why beth is the way that she is and i know nobody this show comes out on wednesday nobody knows what i'm talking about now but you get to learn more about why beth is the way that she is and new developments new things happen within the series and it's really cool that uh, Taylor Sheridan is kind of shining a light on things that happen in these Native American reservations. And just, I watched, uh, years ago, I watched like a Morgan Spurlock documentary thing where he lived on a reservation for 30 days. And Morgan Spurlock is not like, he used to be a hero of mine, but now with everything that's come out against him, it's... He's kind of a despicable human being himself that we're, you know, another one of these guys that we're hearing about. But um, when he lived on the reservation, like, it's it's crazy. Like, they have their own laws. They have their own police. They have, um, they don't have running water. The government does not provide them running water. It's, it's terrible. It's a whole different world. It is a whole different world. And the law works differently out there. So it's, and Taylor Sheridan between this series and Wind River is kind of like shining a light on on that and it's 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 an, it's very intriguing it's an it's a pretty awesome show so far so I'm really looking forward to uh future episodes of it I uh I forgot to bring this up last week but I saw Action Point the uh Johnny Knoxville movie 
Oh, the theme park thing. Yeah, it's a, a daredevil designs and operates his own theme park and his with his friends. Uh, this is the new Johnny Knoxville, a Chris Pontius film. Uh, no Steve-O in this one. But uh, it's, a, it's a. I know. I love Steve. I, you know, he's doing other stuff though. He's got a stand-up comedy act and all that stuff. So he's doing other stuff, which is good. But and they're still talking about possibly doing a Jackass four. So we'll see where that goes. But um, uh, it's this. This movie is scripted, yet they do perform live stunts in it. So it's kind of a blend here. And it's about a. It's about an owner of a small theme park is being put out of business by a bigger theme park, kind of like a Six Flags is going up and um so in order to keep up with uh what people are wanting he makes the rides that he has already more dangerous and and he has a very <laughs> crazy dangerous petting zoo with snakes and monkeys and a bear and wild raccoons and squirrels it's just um the movie it's it's loosely based on a real theme park that was actually closed down in the 90s in vernon new jersey it was the actual theme park was called action park um even the rides are similar in this movie Uh, there's a concrete bobsled track and that was from the real action park um and in this film, they end up cutting the brakes on the bobsleds and people go flying off. It's, um, Johnny Knoxville does it in a real stunt. There's a water slide called, like, it's it's a loop-de-loop. And you go down the water slide and you actually go through a loop. And, which is a ride that they actually made for Action Park. And you slide through it, you go upside down, you come out through the other side. And... I don't know if that ride was even open to the public. It was that dangerous. I think they kind of like tested it out and I heard that it was people were getting fucked up in it. Um, there's a really cool documentary with uh, comedians and, and people that actually went to the real action park. It's on YouTube and they talk about going there as kids and it's called it's called the most insane amusement park ever is the name of the documentary. It's only 20 minutes. And I highly recommend it. It is absolutely insane hearing some of these stories that they were able to get away with that parents would drop their fucking kids off at this place and just let them do whatever the fuck they wanted to do there. It was insane. At least six people were known to have died as a result of the incidents that occurred in the park. So the part, it closed, the real park closed in 1996 and then it reopened under new ownership. And it's completely different now. But, like, this is, like, back in the 80s and 90s. Like, people fucking died there. But, anyway, the movie, um, he's trying to keep the park from closing while also trying to build a relationship with his daughter who visits her father in the summers after, you know, him and the mother split. So she lives in New York. He lives in California. And it's it's kind of like that story it's a father and daughter bonding story and he owns this park and there's real stunts and just goofy jokes and i don't know it the movie's stupid the writing is terrible the acting is terrible but the stunts when they actually do do the stunts the stunts fucking cracked me up like just i'm watching the trailer and i'm just dying over here dude the, the the stunts are great they really are dude like i for some reason, like when I know that people are getting hurt and it's 
they're doing it for for laughs. It's funny to me, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Jackass movies. I'm a sucker for the show. I'm a sucker for these kind of stunts. So I love the movies and I love the show. I'm gonna give this one. I'll I'm I'm gonna give it a low taste it. But if you're a Jackass fan. Watch it. It's a, it's a low taste it because the story's terrible, the acting's terrible, but I did fucking laugh, man. I did. The stunts are fucking hilarious. Like, even a stupid stunt of a guy trying to like fucking just use a wheelbarrow and take it up like um take it up an incline and it falls back on him and shit. I'm dying laughing. It's <laughs> stupid <laughs> shit. So yeah, it's it's Johnny Knoxville. It's jackass humor. So check it out. Hey, Brian, where'd you say that 20-minute documentary is located about the dangerous theme park? Do a search for the most insane amusement park ever. It might be on Vimeo still, or it might be embedded as a link in an article. Oh, okay. Okay, that sounded really fascinating. I want, I want to see that. It is, and the comedians that talk about it do it in a great, great way. And it's so much, it's so fun. And they, 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 they talk about the owner, they show the commercial, they talk about the lawsuits. It's, it's fascinating. It's only about 20 minutes and I highly recommend it. Like, I know, I don't know if Kevin Smith ever went, ever went there, but he's talked about it on podcasts before. But, um, people that live there. Yeah, I see a, I see a link on YouTube. It's like 15 minutes, 14 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's sound about right. Yeah, 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 it's a real short one. It's called The Most insane amusement park ever is what this documentary is called there might be other documentaries but the one that i um watched had some comedians and and other people in it um i really only have a couple more things that i want to talk about before we talk about incredibles 2 so jake uh no tristan i'll pass it off to you all right um let's see i did see um the mr rogers documentary the won't you be my neighbor you oh nice lucky son of a bitch it's not out yeah. here dude oh really no it's uh it, it came out june 8th and it's uh in select cities right now it's not wide release i know that we're gonna get it but i might have to drive out of town in order to see it but man i want to hear about this highest of tupperwares i i will say that this is a, a show that i grew up watching when i was a kid i used to watch Three hours of Sesame Street, and then it was followed by, like, 30 minutes of Mr. Rogers every morning. Nice. And I remember that, like, I mean, that was, like, 1984, 85 or something like that. And I remember it like it was yesterday because, um, you know, they were playing the songs, the original theme song, and I knew every word, even though I haven't seen the show since the 80s. Um, and, yeah, Mr. Rogers was just a, a big part of my life. And, and I thought it was amazing how they... Uh, pretty much show that he was the guy off screen that he was on screen mm. and you know there were always jokes and things about you know mr rogers the pedophile or mr rogers this you know like and it was pretty much just talking to people that were working on the on the set the cast members his family people that knew him best and they were just talking about how amazing this guy was just how how genuine he was in real life even his son was saying that when he would scold them as a kid, he would talk to them in the puppet voice. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, that's how he, how he reprimanded them. He would, um, he would become one of his puppets. And, you know, it was just one of those, uh, documentaries that takes you back to your childhood if you grew up with Mr. Rogers and, and, uh, you know, the people questioned his sexuality. There was, a uh, one section where he's, uh, being interviewed 
and they're asking him if he's square or not, you know, and he kind of pauses and, and diverts the, the interview away. And um, he had a gay cast member that basically was like, yo, if this dude was gay, I would have sniffed it out. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, he was very religious. He grew up, uh, he grew up very religious and, but he was also just kind of progressive as far as what he was teaching because he was teaching tolerance. And, you know, he had the gay cast member that I just mentioned and, he was uh the the gay cast member was talking about how over the years he was Mr. Rogers was speaking to him through the show. Uh, Mr. Rogers was was basically telling this guy it's okay for him to be himself. And it wasn't until years and years after doing the show, uh the cast member approached Mr. Rogers and said, Were you talking to me? And he said, Yeah, I've been talking to you all these years. Oh, uh, that's, it's, that's really touching. Yeah. And there's this one scene where he's uh he has to go to Congress to get uh, approval for um, funds for PBS. And he's trying to get $20 million. And he's talking to this hard-nosed, um, just dick of a senator. Mm. I think his name was John Pastore was the guy. And this guy, you can see him on camera. And he's just stone-faced and doesn't give a fuck about what they're trying to get as far as the, the funding for kids' television. Uh, Mr. Rogers starts speaking and just talks from the heart not having anything written down just speaks from the heart about how important it is to uh, to teach these kids. And you just see the guy's face just melt. The senator's face just melts. And after mm. Mr. Rogers is done, he's just like, okay, I think you earned the $20 million. You're going to make you know, me fucking, you're going to make me tear up right now listening to this. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I agree. Wow. I mean, they dealt, they dealt with some heavy shit. Like yeah. back in 1968, all those assassinations um, that they had to deal with. I mean, he had to talk about assassinations of, of Bobby Kennedy and, and teach kids, you know, how to deal with that because he knew that they would be hearing about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, 1968 was like, you know, assassination was just a thing. Yeah. It was, um, and, um, it was really, um, amusing too. It had some, um, some funny moments as well. They're talking about how unconventional he was as far as his approach to television. Um, uh, one of the producers on the show was saying, yeah, if you wanted to make successful TV, Mr. Rogers did the opposite. And they show one scene where he puts a clock in front of the camera and says, this is how long a minute is. And shows the, the hand going all the way from the 12 back around to the 12. <laughs> yeah. And wow. yeah, so it was, it was just a, you know, really cool documentary. Um, they talked about the parodies and how he felt about that, you know, as far as Eddie Murphy and Johnny Carson doing the parodies. Um, he was, he seemed to really be, um, hurt by some of the, the, I guess the, the criticism he was getting outside, you know, the people that were, um, saying that he, you know, the people were trying to say he was, um, homosexual and trying to demonize him because of that. And, you know, you could tell that it was, it was weighing down on the guy. Um, there was, I mean, even at the guy's funeral, he had protesters outside of his funeral. That oh. shit made me pissed. Wow. It's yeah, like, why, but, why, why when we have like a once in a lifetime kind of like guy like that? And I, I will say that I'm, I'm thankful that I was alive during a time where he was alive. Like, what are the chances, like, you know, yeah. think of, think of the thousands of thousands and millions of years. Um, uh, you know, think of the thousands of years of civilization and, just for us to be alive during the same time as some of these great people, you know, and, and it's just, 
I was so lucky to kind of like grow up and be able to watch Mr. Rogers turn on the TV in the morning and uh, watch Mr. Rogers. And it was a sweet show. And like, I think it was a, probably an escape for a lot of children too. Like mom and dad are fighting, fighting about money, fighting about like, I I remember like me as a kid, um, I had a very normal childhood up until like Caterpillar went on strike here, which is like one of the big businesses here that my dad worked at. Caterpillar went on strike and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were laid off. Of, uh, and, and so like, um, where my mom and dad, like I never saw like my mom and dad argue before until like that kind of happened. And it was like over money and stuff like that. And then it did start to affect me and my sister. And it started to like, but they, we started to feel it. But like on the flip side, I could turn on Mr. Rogers and just be able to watch like, you know, a half hour of someone talking to me like I mattered, like I was important. And well, yeah, and that was one of the the things that they got across in the documentary was that he he made kids feel like they were equals. Yeah. And and he was also talking to their parents at the same time. You know, he was mm-hmm. talking to the parent that was sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. Um there's a really, really touching part where he has to explain to kids during 9-11 what happened. And, you know, I was, you know, not watching Mr. Rogers in 2001, but I could just imagine how helpful that would have been for kids that were, that were dealing with the the insane political, uh, uh, world that we had at that time. I, and, uh, the, the world needs another Mr. Rogers, man. Like the world, mm-hmm. the world needs someone like this. And the sad fact of the matter is, is that a lot of, and I, I don't know, I'm not going to name any names, but I would imagine that most people that are involved in children's programming don't give a shit about children. It's all, it's the almighty dollar. And, yeah. and I think his sincerity is what made him successful and it, it's, it's what made him stand out, what made him different and what made him beautiful as a human being. And we always try to, it's like we always try to destroy that one pure thing. It's, it's crazy. People have been persecuted throughout history for being, for being, you know, if you're peaceful, they want to wage war on you. If you're whatever, if you're this, they want to make you that. And, and you're always going to have an enemy. It doesn't matter who you are. And it's, it's so, that's sad. I didn't know Mr. Rogers dealt with that in his lifetime. It's just, that's. Oh man. And they talk about his, his childhood. He grew up like a little fat kid that got picked on. And, and so they talked about how he would speak through his puppets, um, to reveal his own insecurities. Mm. Um, Daniel, the lion was one of his puppets. And they said that that was him, that everything that Daniel was saying was him. Wow. And Daniel was very vulnerable and, 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 um, insecure about himself. And every time that Daniel would speak, that would be Mr. Rogers speaking as a child. Oh, wow. Oh God. I, dude, you're blowing my mind. I don't, I know if, like, if you're listening and you, maybe you're a millennial and you didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers, like, this might, might mean, this might mean nothing to you. But I would highly recommend that you seek out this documentary to get, get a, to get an idea of who this man was. Like, I, oh, I can't wait to see this. Like, it's got it's a, a huge round of applause at the end. That's amazing. In the audience. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, he, de- he deserves it. Wow! Yeah, I'm so yeah, glad to hear. Hanks is doing a movie on him, right? Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, I think Tom Hanks is playing him. Yeah. A biopic. What were you going to say, yeah. Jake? I, I'm so glad to hear that they there's not like skeletons in his closet, and that it's not this like pull him apart and make him a terrible person type. Uh, that would have crushed me to like 
not think he was anything but what we saw on the show. You know, I mean, the only thing that they showed that was out of character was was nothing that you would would scoff at. It was just things like you know, one time the, one of the crew members took a picture of his ass and put it in Mister Rogers' office. And they said months went by and they didn't hear anything from him. It was just a prank. They, he took a picture of his ass and put it in the office. And then months later, Mr. Rogers goes up to the guy and says, did you get your present? And Mr. Rogers had a picture of the guy with his bare ass blown up poster size. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Did Mr. Rogers drink at all? Could you get I didn't, they didn't mention anything about him drinking, but, um, but yeah, I mean, your perception of him does not get warped after this. After this, if anything, you just have more respect for him. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. His oh my god, I, his kids like his kids are they are they good? They're they're in the documentary, correct? The kids are in the documentary. Yeah. Do they seem yeah, like they just balanced it, adults? They don't seem like him, but they seem like decent people. You know, they, yeah. like one guy, you know, he's a, I would never guess he was Mr. Rogers son. He's just a kind of hippie looking guy with just very long hair and big beard and everything. But, you know, they're, they seem like very well uh, positioned adults. Wow. They talked to his wife as well. And, you know, his kids and, and, you know, a lot of the people that worked on the show over the years. He, oh my God, you're like, oh, I, I can't wait to see this. I'm like dying to see this now. Yeah, it was great. I, I'm going to go see it again too. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I feel like anybody that probably like needs a pick me up in life, like watch this documentary and see like what, what inside of us, like as human beings. Cause like, honestly, like no matter who you are, there's been times where you've like looked inwardly and you're like, I'm a terrible person. Like I'm a terrible yeah. person and I don't deserve anything in life. I've said that. I say, and I, I have that thought all the time. And it's just like, I think we need examples like this to look at and to say like, this is the best of humankind and we, this is what we should strive to be. So, yeah, I mean, during the, you know, the civil rights era in the late sixties or so, um, where blacks couldn't be in the same swimming pool as, as whites, there's a scene where he has a black cast member join him in the swimming pool. And they don't say anything about why they're doing it, mm. but he's basically just demonstrating to kids, like, this is okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. I saw I saw that in the trailer, and that yeah. kind of blew me away. And they show other footage of, you know... Um, racist white people uh pouring the bleach in the in the swimming pool yeah 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 and it it um for mr rogers to kind of like back then people in power a lot of them a lot of white people in power back then were probably racist i'm i I would you know and for him to kind of maybe even put his career or put a target on himself back then says a lot about the man's character as a human being so like you know if you're looking for some heroes to put pictures of on your wall you know yeah martin luther king mr rogers you know those are two good ones in my opinion yeah yeah Wow, that's that's incredible, man. Yeah, there's a moment at the very end you're definitely probably going to tear up. Um, I'm not going to say what it is because I want to save that for you. Yeah, please. Oh, I can't wait to see this. I know they're playing it at the Art Theater here in late June, and I plan on making the drive out there to see it because it's – and I'll, I'll probably bring tissues with me. Yeah. If you're a crier, <laughs> definitely do that. <laughs> I'm a big pussy. I'm a, I'm a jank. 
<laughs> I am a gigantic fucking pusshole when it comes to movies. My sister isn't though. Like I can like my sister can watch ET and probably like laugh. And I will watch E.T. and every time Elliot starts crying when that fucking squashed raisin looking thing dies, I ball. Oh, it doesn't matter. I, it was, it was, it wasn't until when I it killed me as a kid. Oh God, it kills me as an adult. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's the mixture between it, the connection of the kid and this little thing. And I was just like, yeah. Oh my God, it just kills me every fucking time. Oh God! And then when uh, Gertie at the end of the movie has to say goodbye to him, I lose it. <laughs> I fucking lose it. Yeah. How can you not like that movie, Jake? Oh, I, it's it, it's it, it's. My last name is Elliot, dude, and I was oh. born in '78. And like kids, literally threw recent pieces at me in yeah. kindergarten, and did ouch and Elliot, and oh, I fucking yeah. I fucking hate it. That'll ruin the experience for you. Yeah, yeah, and that was before I saw the movie, even. So uh, it's like it was already over. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Didn't you throw an ET doll into a fire? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> My aunt got me an ET stuffed animal for Christmas, and I threw it right into the roaring Christmas fire. <laughs> And uh, my aunt, it's one of my favorite memories of my mom because she really went to bat for me. And my aunt was getting mad at me. And my mom basically told her, if you spent any time with your nephew, you would know just like the rest of us how much he dislikes E.T. And you would have bought him a Christmas gift that he wouldn't have wanted to throw in the fire and pretty much shut my aunt down. I'm very proud of mom on that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I could, we had to open up all the living room and get all the smoke because it was like vinyl plastic stuffed animal that I threw into the fire, you know? Oh, so. dude, I, re- I remember those E.T. dolls. Like, you could have, like, given it to me. I, I would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It had, the like, the red stomach and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Tristan. I wasn't having any part of it. Tristan, did you have anything else for us? Um, let's see. Did you guys see Tag? I did no. not. I did not. I'm going to see that next week. I saw Tag. Um, I will give it a high tasted. This is a movie that I didn't expect much from. Um, I went in just thinking it was going to be a stupid comedy. It didn't have the most glowing reviews, but man, that shit was so funny. See, that shit had so many, so many hilarious moments, and I wouldn't say it's a movie that's going to stand the test of time and be a classic or yeah. anything like that, but it serves its purpose. I'm a, and it's so well cast too. I'm a big fan of Jake Johnson and uh, yeah. Hannibal Buress. Like I, I they think, all have yeah, they all have their place in this movie. Good. You know, Hannibal Buress is doing his his little philosophical jokes, and and John. <laughs> um, is, you know, he's he's the stoner, and yeah. John Ham uh, Ham is pretty cool in this. Ed Helms is the one that's taking the game a little too seriously, yeah. And you find out at the end exactly why. But um, yeah, Jeremy Renner. I heard that he broke his arms, broke um, both arms. Movie, yeah. yeah. And they were like CG arms or something he was using. I was looking for the CG. I couldn't tell. Wow. But um, but yeah, it's crazy because. Fucking, you know, he survived the fucking battle of the Chitari and shit. <laughs> well, <Hulk John>. <laughs> fucking <laughs> breaks his arm. How is he going to pull that bow back now, you know? Oh, Hawkeye is just fucking useless now. That's probably, <laughs> do you think that that's, this is the movie, do you think that's probably why he didn't come back to Mission Impossible? Maybe? I don't know. Well, it's possible, that's, yeah. That's interesting. And you could never tell when his arms were CG. I could never tell. I was looking for it because I knew I knew that fact going in. They I can, just saw it this morning. Jake, and how, so I was looking how for can that. Superman, right? 
Yeah, how can low-budget tag replace two human beings' arms, but Justice League big-budget Warner Brothers movie can't take away a mustache? That's yeah. that's, that's that's my thinking, man. That's there my were some thinking. scenes where I saw it was complete. It was definitely CG, but it didn't look like the arms were fake. It just looked like the entire body was CG. But um, but yeah, I mean, they hit it pretty well. I think they did a great job as far as just blending that in because any CG in that kind of film is going to stand out. Oh my god, it's not supposed to be there. Wouldn't it have been hilarious if both of his arms were just mustaches? (laughs) 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 Oh man, Um, yeah. But um, they had these cool little uh, segments where he would uh, it would freeze, kind of like a. uh, Downey Jr. and uh, Sherlock Holmes, you know, where it would freeze and he kind of assesses the situation and zooms in on on everything in the room and kind of figures out how he's going to get out of there. Oh, that's cool. Dope. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's like yeah. a that's kind of like a like an equalizer thing, too. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen the second trailer for Equalizer? No, I did not. Mm. Oh, that's the one we reviewed on the show. Yes. They got a new Equalizer trailer out and it is amazing. Oh my god. I think he's like a, I can't remember. I think he's on a train this time. I only saw it the one time. And he's on a train this time and he's like, he's like, Jake, you gotta watch the first equalizer, dude. Yeah, I do. I do. I gotta figure out where that's streaming at. You know what I watched for the first time this week and it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime has Lady Bird on there now too, people. So check out Lady mm. Bird. That's a great movie. Uh, but anyway, uh, I watched Magnificent Seven for the first time. On Amazon mm. Prime. Have you guys the original or the remake? I've seen the original. I love the original, and part of the reason that I didn't watch the sequel was because I love the original one so much. Like I'm a huge fan of the original, and I was like, ah, this this, this one can't do it justice. It's not going to do it justice, dude. I'm telling you, like this, the Magnificent Seven. If you want to see a great shootout at the end of a movie, this is one of the best shootouts I've ever seen at the end of a fucking western. It is fucking amazing. It is action packed. Chris Pratt is really good in this one. Denzel's fantastic. Um, they did change up the story a little bit. I believe in the in the original, which I haven't seen in probably co- like two years now. It's been maybe a couple years since I've seen the original Magnificent Seven. But I think it's like the village that hires these guys to kill, like you know, the guy that's like taking over the town, and and um, I think it's a village of just one hundred percent Mexican women. In the first one, I think all the I think all their men have been killed, and in this one, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a town of like white women and white men that are that hire them, and um, but other than that, it's pretty faithful. They do add like there's a Native American character in there that joins the Magnificent Seven. Um, there's uh, there's an Asian guy who is fucking amazing with knives, and he's a he's a sharpshooter as well. And Chris Pratt's a sharpshooter. Uh, there's there's a lot to to really enjoy about. That. Ethan Hawke is great in this movie. I forgot he was even in that. Yeah, I I, I highly recommend it. It's not your like three ten to Yuma, which is like a you know, and I know that's a remake as well. It's not three ten to Yuma. You know, James Mangold three ten to Yuma. This is more of kind of like your popcorn, kind of like Young Guns type western. So. 
but I, I recommend it, man. I would actually give it. I want to give it a Tupperware. I really do. I really. So I'm going to. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I'm a Western fan, number one. But like the shootout at the end of the movie is fucking amazing. So many explosions. So many fucking people die. It's in, it's incredible. So yeah, hmm. I recommend. You're kind of talking me into that, Brian. I, I was kind of in the same boat as you, where yeah. I just kind of rolled my eyes at the idea of even doing a remake and then just yeah. ignored it. You've so. got, dude. You've got McQueen. You've got Bronson. I mean, you've got like all those like greats, these legends in the original film. And I, I was like, how do you even touch that? But like, it, it they really do a really good job in this one. It's uh, directed by Anton Fuqua. You know, and I'm a big fan of his movies, except for didn't he do Southpaw? And I wasn't the biggest fan of Southpaw. Mm, he, I, I didn't know that he did Southpaw. You're probably right, though. I think he did Southpaw. And unfortunately, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but this is not a really good boxing movie, in my opinion. But um, I love Antoine Fuqua 99% of the time. He's great. Uh, I, I, I went and saw Superfly in the theaters, gentlemen. Oh, nice. And uh, when Priest, a young but experienced Coke dealer in Atlanta, realizes it's time to get out of the trade, he risks it all on one last score. Double-crossing his mentor, Priest heads to Mexico to connect with the cartel that serves as the source of his product. Uh, it's directed by director X, best known for Across the Line and How She Moved. I haven't seen either of those movies. Have you guys seen either of those movies? No. No. I'm not familiar with Director X at all, and it stars. But the movie stars Trevor Jackson as um, as Priest, Jason Mitchell from Straight Outta Compton, and uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, he's also in The Shy, which is uh, fucking fantastic uh, on Showtime. Watch The Shy if you haven't watched it. It is it is amazing. Michael Kenneth Williams is in this movie, so this might be the movie that Michael Kenneth Williams was in that he was shooting, and he couldn't return for the reshoots for Solo so Paul Bettany was hired for Solo so I'm guessing that this was the movie that he couldn't, uh, that he had obligations to film oh. uh, and timing seems right there Yeah, Jennifer Morrison is also in this film now, man, I'll tell you one thing like I was, this movie entertained me I'm going to give it a taste it right off the bat it did entertain me like, d- never in this movie was I bored Ever. It's, it does not have a boring movie. The problem with it is it just tries to do too much. And it, it's like, it's way too ambitious. And it feels like it's written and directed by someone who thought it would be cool to kind of like, you know, combine like all the elements that we love from other movies into one movie. Like, take, let's take Scarface. Let's take Blow. Let's take all these like gangster movies. Let's take, you know, let's take all this shit and uh, dr- all these drug movies and these gangster movies and like throw them into one movie. What happens is you have a movie that has too many moving parts and it kind of gets out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's hey, Brian, were you uh, familiar with the original, the black exploitation uh, one from the 70s? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of those. And that's kind of the reason that I went to see this one. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this, this has, uh, it has, it has, they do, they do sprinkle in some of the soundtrack into this one, which is cool. Oh, really? The yeah. Curtis Mayfield one from yeah. the, the 70s? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's it, cool. It, 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 it happens later in the movie. So, like, they don't, it's not, like, right up front, which I thought was cool. They kind of, like, surprise you with it. They hit you with it later. Yeah. 
but um, you've got you've got a young drug dealer here who wants to like do the one do this one last one thing. job yeah the, yeah exactly the last job that's going to set him for life so that he can retire and he never has to deal drugs again and he's got his mentor and his mentor has I mean has taught him uh, you know uh, martial arts and has basically kind of like shown him you know how to do everything how to how to hustle everything uh, deal drugs and but he goes over his mentor's head and then goes to his supplier he's cutting out his he's cutting out his mentor goes to his supplier which is this Mux- Mexican drug cartel and then but he's also dealing with this there's this young group of competing drug dealers that don't really have a problem with priest until one of them does and they're called snow patrol and they they also sell drugs and one of the guys just really has it out for him. So, and then, the, and then on top of that, there's also two detectives that want in on the drug money. So, and on top of everything, he has to worry about his friend, played by Jason Mitchell, that is kind of making some stupid moves. And you, as the audience member, you don't know if you can trust this guy. That was played really, really well in this movie. That was the relationship between him and Jason Mitchell was played really well in this movie and really surprised me. They shoehorn a sex scene in here and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically, oh, it's, was it meant to be hilarious? No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, to me it was because it's like, it felt like it was like Cinemax soft porn. You know what I mean? But you gotta, yeah, yeah you've gotta have priests, you know, you gotta have him get it on with somebody. So, yeah. you, you know, you gotta show him, you know, he's, you know, the ladies love him. He's in the shower and then his girlfriend walks in and then they start to get it on. And then it's like, it's Cinemax soft porn, man. You know, you got the music, you got the lighting just right. You've got, you know, like the beads of water just going off of him just right, going off of her just right. He's making all the right moves. He's like Tom Cruise making all the right moves. And then out of nowhere, this other rando chick from inside the house just drops a robe and gets into the shower with them. Just rando chick. Whoa. (laughs) Jeez, that is Cinemax. And so... Priest girl, like I was like, how is she gonna react to this? Oh, dude, she's fucking down for it. So she just kind of like leans up against the wall and like lets Priest do his thing with this new girl, this rando girl that just walks into the shower, <laughs> and they all start fucking and kissing and shit. And then it ends, it ends like, and then she gets in on it. And so like we've got like we got some like menage a trois action going on. I would know nothing about this because I got a goddamn micro penis. <laughs> like, I, I would, I would, I know nothing about like this. This world is so goddamn foreign to me was it like a tommy Wiseau um sex scene where it was like five minutes long (laughs) yes it was like that but he was not fucking her belly button which was good (laughs) 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 but there it ends with this scene of priest and you you they don't show it but you know it's happening he's got both girls like they're laying down in the shower, it's a huge fucking shower. It's like one of those rainstorm showers. You know what I'm talking about? It's just yeah, oh, those yeah. are nice. Yeah, it's it's like walk in. It's like yeah, it's like 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 you you walked into like another room and it's a shower. But he's like they're like laid up against him. He's in the middle. Like he's got one on each side and he's got his hands stretched out. And you know he's finger banging both these girls. They don't show it, but you know it. You just it's implied. Yeah. Director X basically earned kind of earned the X here. Kind of earned it. <laughs> kind of earned it. I mean, 
you know, so. Well, I'm but. just tripping out that this random girl who they never show prior to that scene just joins the sex scene. Dude, I was thinking that it was this one girl. I, I was thinking for a second it was this one girl. I was like, oh my God, is that that one girl that, that she's kind of like shown up and she's like been a friend of theirs? But it didn't look like her, or she looks completely different with her hair. Because she changed her hair up quite a bit, but I thought it was a different girl, man. But it was totally, I think it's just rando chick. I think it's just rando chick. And that was kind of cool. That's kind of super fly, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've just got like. In case he needs her, he's got her ready. Well, see, in the house, they have people that work for him, like housekeeping and shit like that. They've got like live in, like maids and like, you know, chefs and shit. Like this guy is like living fucking large. I mean, it's a beautiful house. They've got, you know, people doing everything for him. And I didn't know if she was the help or not. And she was just like, I gotta take a fucking shower too. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Look what I walked into. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if like this is like a regular occurrence or not, but it was pretty fucking amazing. My hat's off to priest. So, you know, but the the movie, it takes on way too much. It was, it was entertaining. It was two hours and seven minutes. They could have shortened it a little bit, but, um, it had enough to kind of keep me into the story. Th- there's a cool twist in it. Um, Jennifer Morrison from House MD, she plays a fucking awesome crooked cop in this. So I'm going to give it a taste. It. I, I did enjoy this. And if this pops up on like, uh, <laughs> Cinemax or something like that, I would probably watch it again. I had a good time with it. It just wasn't, I felt like it took on way too much. The story should have been a little bit simpler, but, uh, overall I, I did, I did kind of enjoy it, man. It was a lot of fun. No, I got to see it just for that shower scene. Dude, you got to watch the shower <laughs> scene. They have a little bit of, dude, there's a fucking car chase in a park, in a public park that gets out of hand. <laughs> so, so yeah, super fly, super fly. Check it out. Um, it takes place modern time, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it's modern day. It's okay. modern day. Um, let's see here, Jake. What do you got? Uh, I, I did, other than the movie we're going to talk about later, I did not have time to watch anything this that, week. That's fine. Uh, I will talk about Goliath season two on Amazon Prime before we jump into the movie. Uh, Goliath season two, it's back. Goliath is back. Billy Bob Thornton, he plays a lawyer. And in the second season, he's now dealing with a murder case. Uh, we've got, uh, quite a few returning characters. We've got Patty coming back. We've got Brittany coming back. But it adds new actors. We've got Mark Duplass, David Cross, Lou Diamond Phillips, and Morris Chestnut joining the cast this season. Which, Great additions, except for... I'll get into that a little bit. You might be surprised on who I really didn't enjoy this season. Anyway, Lou Diamond Phillips, he plays a father whose sons... He's got two older boys. They're lawbreakers. And, you know, they they get into some trouble. and, and, And they get shot and they get killed. His youngest son is Julio, and he's 16. And he he's an honor student. He's a he's a very talented cello player. This kid's just like a very good kid. Very like you know, he doesn't get in any trouble. He's he's like a perfect shining example. But now he's being accused of murdering the two men that targeted and killed his older brothers. So you've got that. And will you know, and so basically like Lou Diamond Phillips character it knows Billy Bob Thornton's character who is like at one time, like one of the most world renowned and, and uh, best lawyers on the planet, and uh, now is kind of like a 
an alcoholic and and um, you know has a troubled past. Now, this season there's a billionaire played by Mark Duplass, and it's interesting. I fifty percent of the time I love what Mark Duplass is doing in this. The other fifty percent of the time, it, the dramatic stuff it it doesn't work. It's it's so weird. He plays a billionaire who has this bizarre fetish, and you have to watch it to see it for yourself. Um, you've got Morris Chestnut. He's the prosecuting attorney. Uh, I love Morris Chestnut. I've been a big fan of his for ever since. I, I think the first thing I saw him in that I remember was V when he was in V, and I really enjoyed him in that. And then he he was in a. I'm trying to remember. He was in a couple shows that I that I watched after that. But um, we've got a candidate for mayor of Los Angeles in this season as well, uh, Marisol Silva. And she, she's helped like, she's helped like the youths of LA. And one of the youths that she helped was Julio. So she believes in Julio. And so she's in the story and that kind of ties her in with everything. And then we get mixed up with a drug cartel this season and a wannabe surgeon who is cutting off people's limbs. And that's kind of crazy. The season is kind of insane. Um, there's a scene that involves a guy recreating a scene from his childhood, his first erotic scene that he ever had when he was a kid, the first time he remembers ever having an erection. And it's he 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 basically is he has created a room to look like his childhood home and you see a woman applying lotion to a woman's stump that used to be her left leg, and then he jerks himself off. It is this season is fucking whoa. Nuts. <laughs> yes, it's nuts. It's nuts. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this season. It's like it, it takes it does. It's a. It's very ambitious. David Cross is terrible. I love David Cross, but he's fucking terrible in this show. Terrible. It's, it's, it doesn't, he doesn't fit. And it's not his fault. It's casting. He doesn't fit. His character is just too bizarre for this. It's just too weird. It does not fit and it takes me out of it. And then Mark Duplass takes me out of 50% of his scenes. So I am going to give overall this season and it, I watched all eight episodes. Um, I am going to give this season it is a very, very, very high taste it compared to the first season. I, the, the, I'm telling you the last few episodes are tough. The, the penultimate episode, episode seven, is one of the most it's, – it's an amazing episode. And it's one of the most um, – there's so much tension and, and you're worried about what's going to happen. And it's such a different episode than every other episode in the series that – I give that episode a Tupperware and I, I give the final episode a Tupperware, but I gotta give it overall a high tasted. But I would definitely, if you're, a, if you're a fan of Goliath series, this is great. And you might, you, this might be a Tupperware for you, but I just didn't feel like this was as great as the first season. Um, Billy Bob Thornton kind of, they let the cast be a lot more of the story in this one and where the first season was a lot of him up front and I think that's kind of to the detriment you need he's great Billy Bob Thornton you you can't doubt his acting abilities you need his gravitas in this in this series and I felt like they made it kind of like a more 
the rest of the cast, more of the cast was involved. And there, there's scenes between, there's a scene with David Cross and Mark Duplass and it just felt so out of place. It felt like I'm a, I was watching an episode of a, of a weird comedy. It was so bizarre, but, um, high tasted overall for Goliath season two. Awesome. <laughs> And that's unfortunate that David Cross wasn't able to like actually make a serious dramatic turn and he threw you out of it so much. It was bad, man. It was bad. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I kind of blame the director a bit on that too, right? Like, you know, you got David Cross. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to rein him in a little bit. Yeah. Well, he did great in the post. Like, he wasn't in the post a lot and he was not in, in this a lot. But they like, they let him play this weird, bizarre character to where like yeah he's suited for that but not in this show you've already got mark duplass kind of acting a little bit like and the way mark duplass is kind of like snarky and sarcastic and like that works most of the time but david cross really kind of took me out of like the few episodes that he was in his scenes and um that's i mean overall i think this was a good season. It, it really was. I, if you're a fan of Goliath, I highly recommend it. And and this season, if you're going to watch season three, I don't – season three might be more of this kind of stuff. So you – if I, I don't recommend skipping this one if you are a fan of the series. So, um, <laughs> Tristan, did you watch Goliath season one? I did not, no. Dude, I, if you got Amazon Prime, I highly recommend it. It is, it's, I do. It's, it's a Tupperware. It is one of those that just kind of snuck up on you. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. Um, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Incredibles 2. Nice, nice. All cards on the table. I was going to ask for a Jake break if you didn't say something. Oh, I kind of, I felt it coming. I'm at that point. You know what I mean? I'm at that point where I can kind of like sense it. You know what I mean? I couldn't let you take the heat and not point out that it was coming. Yeah, yeah, I felt it. It's, it's weird. You know, it's like, it's like when, uh, like twins, like when twins can like finish each other's sentences or like they feel like when the other, what the other one's feeling. You know when the break's coming. I know when the break's coming. Yeah, it's like we're on that same Jake break wavelength. Like I, right now I don't need to take a break. Like I can keep going. I can chug along. But I know Jake, on the other hand, Totally different, like totally different. Like he's on a different plane right now, and it, uh, and yeah. the only thing on that plane is I got to take a goddamn break, Brian. Yeah, you are on the pulse of my bladder, friend. Absolutely, absolutely. TMZ's breaking story. Jake, break. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Incredibles two. And we're going to be talking about uh, Incredibles 2. This is the new Disney Pixar film. Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, is left to take care, uh, is left to care for Jack Jack while Helen, Elastigirl, is out saving the world. This one's written and directed by Brad Bird and uh, Craig T. Nelson's back, Holly Hunter's back, Samuel Jackson's back, and now we have Bob Odenkirk in the mix. So, uh, I want to know what you guys thought about this movie. And, uh, everybody's seen it, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Tristan, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of uh, Incredibles 2? Incredibles 2, um, I was a really big fan of the original Incredibles uh, 14 years ago. I think it's probably my favorite Pixar movie, um, either that or first or second place. And so, yeah, I've been one of the people waiting for the sequel. And um, it was always one of those films that was like how we envisioned Fantastic Four could possibly be on screen. And um, just to cut to the chase, yeah, I, I give it a Tupperware. It's great. It was a worthy sequel. I think it's probably Pixar's, for me, it was Pixar's best sequel. Um, I think I like Toy Story 2 probably um, as much as, as I like this one. And so I think it was a it was a worthy sequel. It was great. Fucking Michael Giacchino's uh, score was fantastic. Um, that stood out to me. I really love the 50s golden age of superheroes aesthetic that they have going on. Um, that was always something that appealed to me from the first one, and that carried over onto this one. You know, just the look of the film is just fucking gorgeous. And that score, you know, that score that's permeating through the movie is just fantastic. And um, I think it they did a, um, a pretty uh, commendable task by making this film 14 years later. And I feel that you can probably watch these movies back to back. And it seemed very seamless. Like it really felt like they just picked up where they left off. And that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Tupperware here. Jake. All right. Yeah, this one's been really tough for me. I've kind of been mulling it over since I saw it. I definitely need to see it again. From where I saw I'm it at, twice. You yeah. saw it twice. Okay. Yeah. And I like it better the second time. Okay. That's, see, that's where I think I might be at, too. But where I'm at now yeah. is, like, the highest of taste-its. I'm, like, that little push, little shove over for this to be in a Tupperware for me. Maybe if I see it again. But um, And you brought the score up. The score was amazing. Just, like. Oh man, so whip smart and jazzy and snappy and uh, it was so good. But yeah, and what's keeping this from being a Tupperware for me is is one of my. I'm also one of those people. Incredibles is one of my favorite Pixar movies as well. But one of my favorite things about that movie is kind of how self aware about the whole superhero genre it is, and like kind of making fun of all the tropes we know and self referencing its own like being and everything and yeah. you know with jokes with the capes jokes with the monologuing and it's mm. like stuff like that to me that's really made the movie like still hold up 14 years later and that was really sorely missing for me in this movie and i i, I love this movie don't get me wrong but i was surprised that like there wasn't that self-aware superhero kind of commentary in it and almost to the point where the main villain is doing the things that the first movie makes fun of by the end of the movie. Mm. And I, I found that to be just a, a little bit distracting plot wise. I was kind of surprised by that. It was kind of the amazing, incredible sequel that I would expect if they couldn't get Brad Bird to come back and write and direct it. But Brad Bird is here and he didn't write, write and direct it. So I'm a little bit confused why there's not as much commentary on the whole superhero like genre as it is. But Throwing that aside, I did love the movie. Like, that's not there, but Bird nails the family dynamic. You still love these characters. You're on the edge of your seat the whole movie with the action. It's visually stunning. Um, everyone gets really great moments, except Dash. I was kind of sad Dad, Dash didn't. I think, yeah, I think Dash was a little downplayed this one. 
Yeah, and that was unfortunate. I guess you got Jack Jack there as the as the young male stealing the show, kind of in that role. But yeah, I mean, overall, I absolutely love this movie. Voice acting incredible, animation incredible. I just wish it would have been a. Li- I was expecting it to be a little bit smarter, and I found it a little bit predictable and tropian ways that the first one made fun of. Yeah, I had a hard time rating this one too because I didn't really like it a lot. Um, oh wow. I'm going to give it a taste it, a solid taste it. I need to watch it again. And I don't know if it was my theater experience because I did have somebody tapping seats behind me the entire fucking movie, which was like, oh, God, knock it off. I It was driving me fucking up a wall. Um, I don't know. I just I, – I can't even really pinpoint it. I had the – I figured out the twist, like, from the get-go. And so – that doesn't count against it. It's not like, oh, I figured out the twist. I don't like the movie now. <laughs> That's not it. That's not it here. The story, I don't know. It, Jake, a lot of what you were saying is kind of like making me realize why I didn't like it as much. Um, the first one is one of the best uh, movie animated movies ever. I love the original Incredibles. It, it, it's it's so it's so amazing. I, I I've watched that movie dozens of times and I love that film and this one just didn't live up to it for me I I think the villain overall I wasn't the biggest fan of either and um, that played into it a little bit but uh, the animation's gorgeous Uh, you know watching watching Mr. Incredible kind of like suffer this whole time kind of was they kind of like it was kind of an inverse of what they did last time. So it's kind of like we're getting the same story, but like inverse this time mm-hmm. where like he's forefront and now she's forefront. And just watching him being miserable was kind of like making me miserable too. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't real. I just didn't have fun with this one. I, the, what I did love was Jack Jack. I love Jack Jack. Jack Jack was great in this movie. And that was like, those are the parts where like I really perked up when we got a lot of baby Jack Jack. Um, I really enjoyed Jack Jack doing funny st- stuff. The fight with the raccoon was absolutely hilarious. That was awesome. I loved that. I love seeing like Jack Jack like go into different dimensions and like, <laughs> like the multiplicity moments where he would like, you know, basically divide himself like three, four, five times and turn into multiple Jack Jacks. It was that, that was the, the most fun stuff for me, but this, the movie just wasn't, I just didn't have a fun time in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I and I can kind of see what you're saying there, Brian. All the the Jack Jack Raccoon stuff was the best stuff. My my favorite shot in the entire movie is when we see Jack Jack light on fire for the first time because Bird oh, almost yeah. films it like a horror movie. Oh God, yeah, seeing it from the perspective <laughs> of the raccoon and kind of yeah. like out of focus victim, from a distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was so great. Like the whole audience was like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's tossing the pool chairs aside. Yeah, that was great. I need to watch it again. I might my, my rating may may go up if I watch it again. Yeah, I just didn't think it was as smart as the first one. Like it had everything else going for it just as good. Like it looked better. The action sequences were probably better, but it just wasn't as smart. I have to yeah. say from the first one, I think one of my favorite scenes in the first one is when uh, Dash and Violet are first discovering their abilities and they're in the woods and, and, uh, I think they're in the woods or something like that. And, and, um, you know, the scene where Dash runs across the water and realizes he can run on water and, and Violet 
first realize that she has that that shield and i think little moments like that were missing you know just uh just that kind of wonder and discovery about the characters yeah um but that's a little natural i guess just given that it's a sequel yeah yeah i mean it it definitely had a lot going for it but like I agree with Brian. I, the only thing I didn't predict was the uh, timeout. And this is the part of the podcast where I had to uh, edit out what Jake says here. Jake actually spoils Incredibles too, so I uh, had to timestamp this one and edit it out in an episode, mind you, uh, that I said I barely, I don't do any editing, and yet uh, the prophecy is fulfilled. I'm fucking editing. Uh, because Jake felt the need to spoil Incredibles 2. Alright, so back to your scheduled program. Time in! Are we doing spoilers? Oh, we, my bad. Jake just did. <laughs> I so. guess we are. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, my apologies. Well, right. I guess we don't edit either. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to write down the time on that one and try to edit that one out, because that's a big one. Yeah, I just, I just, I just thought about it because it was kind of the only thing that I didn't see coming. Well, let's stop talking about it so I can edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward moment. <laughs> I'm just laughing now. On <laughs> dies right. Um, yeah, so if you're listening, I maybe I edited out a part where Jake gave us a huge spoiler for Incredibles 2. <laughs> so. <laughs> Have you guys seen all the um, fuss about um, the like the scene that could cause you to have like seizures and stuff? Oh, yeah. Is it the yeah. one where it's like all flashing and everything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's th- th- It was a crazy scene, too, but I guess like they're putting warnings up in all the theaters for it now, and a lot of people are really upset that they weren't warned before they even saw it. And I can understand yeah, that. I'm not susceptible to seizures, but it did feel a little uncomfortable just seeing all that shit going on on the screen. I thought that when we were, when I was watching the movie, I was thinking like this could cause seizure seizures for people watching this movie yeah. right now, and I was like, and uh, that's weird that you're actually presenting a story where people are complaining about that. So yeah, it's been a big deal. I've seen a lot on like Twitter and the media about it, and most movie theaters now are putting up signs that warn mm. parents. All right. Yeah, so Incredibles 2, Tupperware from Tristan, uh, I taste it from Jake, and I taste it from me. I, I think I need to watch it again. Maybe maybe my rating will change upon the second viewing. Maybe it'll be high tasted. I can't see that it goes from tasted to Tupperware for me, though. Yeah, I don't know. I it, Potentially it could for me, but I, I definitely need to see it again. It was To me, it was way better than, say, Finding Dory was to Finding Nemo. Right. I disagree. So. I felt like I felt like Finding Dory had more heart in it than this movie did. I don't know. That's just me. I, I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. Yeah, I just felt like Finding Dory was a little bit more just the same movie um, compared to this and that. Yeah, I get it. It's just, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I just, I don't know. I need to watch this again. I think I need to watch this and I need to go see it in IMAX too. Cause like I just watched it in a regular 2D theater with a bunch of Jack and Innies fucking kicking my seat. So. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I go see it like during the day when all the kids are in school. I guess yeah. it's summer though. So yeah. Like a fuck. Well, I could go see like a, you know, the IMAX theaters are so fucking big. I can try to get away from these assholes. So. You know, 
Anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm uh, I'm going in there by myself watching a kids movie, so that's a weird thing too. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, just try not to think about it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. As long as I like don't like just go out of my way to sit like right next to a fucking kid. That's weird. Anyway, did this movie have an in credit sequence? No, no. I actually Googled that before I went into the movie, and it said oh, nice. it said no on the site that I went to. So, all right, let's mm. jump into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Uh, quick news, I don't have a lot to say here, but in quick news, Dark Tower series over at Amazon is not dead. It could still happen, but it will not. Yay! It will not likely be tied to the film in any way, so it could still happen. <laughs> Double yay! <laughs> yeah. yeah, so look for that one. I don't. Well, I'll report more news when we hear about it, but um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, like, the, that's an easy go around because book four is just jumps right way ahead of the story and is like a big prequel. So you could kind of just start a book four and erase everything and still get back to the stuff that the movie tried to do. Does this make sense though? Like, we're here, like, it, it's been a, basically almost a year since the movie came out. So it, it makes sense that they didn't, that they've been kind of like holding off on this announcement until like, you know, the reception kind of cooled from like how terrible the, the the movie was yeah originally the plan was to be was really ambitious they were going to have like three movies and two seasons of television that were going to like run concurrent Mm. to the movies Mm. but yeah Yeah. they didn't pull that off uh dumbo teaser trailer came out the tim burton dumbo teaser trailer did you guys see this by any chance i i did i did what'd you guys think go ahead Um, my curiosity has been peaked i mean it's it's one of those uh trailers that definitely made me more interested in the movie you know it, it did its job and um one thing that i'm looking forward to seeing is the the pink elephant segment and they show a little bit of that um i think it's uh it might it might work tim burton might pull it off what'd you think uh, I, I was pretty nonplussed by it in fact i toss it i don't know i'm completely yeah wow. i toss it completely i'm Maybe I'll change my mind when I see it. I think I have this gut reaction a lot of times to these live action Disney movies based off of the classics. But and I'm just so over Tim Burton, and it, it didn't look like Tim Burton was really stepping outside of the Tim Burton box by any means. It was Tim Burton's Dumbo, and I just kind of was like, eh. one scene that always got to me in Dumbo though was the scene with his mom, and they yeah. start off with that. So that kind of got to me. That's that's what worked for me here. I, I'm sold on the trailer. Like I, the trailer, just by itself. Like I can, yeah, I can pull in past moments where, like you know, Tim Burton's let me down with like these live at uh, live action adaptations. But based off this trailer, I was like, this Tim Burton style actually kind of works in this world. Like the mother, you know, where the mother dies and things like that. Like I think that Tim Burton can kind of pull this off, and I think Disney's going to kind of rein him in on this one too. This worked for me, so I, I I really enjoyed this trailer. I'm as far as like my excitement level for this one, I'm going to give it a high taste. I was really impressed by this trailer. Yeah, I had no interest in this movie prior to seeing this trailer. And Agreed. Now I'm I'm a little interested. I, I, I want to see it, I, and I probably will. You know, if it continues to look well. Um, yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't see the racist crows oh, um, <laughs> do you think we will at all they're gonna make those fucking crows british watch just <laughs> just 
just to prevent those any crows sing a really fucking fun and catchy song the song is or great. not the song is yeah. that's what yeah. i do remember from that movie the song yeah oh my god i didn't know what the hell was going on when i was a kid to be honest no no there's so many things that that there's so many things in movies that uh you don't know when you're a kid but then when you get older and you start to like talk to other people and you read about stuff you're just like oh my god i can totally see it i never saw it before yeah yeah like beetlejuice blew me away as an adult i was like i did not realize how many sexual innuendos were just all over this movie yeah yeah well i talked yeah. years ago I, I can't believe i'm bringing this up i don't want because I, I don't want people to look at this movie through a different lens but i'm gonna bring it up i don't i don't give a shit um Tristan, Jake, I've talked to you about this, but Tristan, have you ever heard about the Gremlins, the original movie, how racist that movie is? No. Okay. Oh, you're going to fuck with my childhood. Dude, now, I huh? know, and that's why I don't want to bring this up. Part of me doesn't, part of me just wants to, <laughs> just wants to say, if you want to Google it, just look it up. Like how, how, how racist Gremlins is. Like Jake, do you remember the conversation we had? Yeah, about- yeah, I blanked it out, but now. Now uh, it's go ahead and ruin my childhood all over again. Okay. Um <laughs> Gremlins is about basically it's about white people worried about black people reproducing and taking over. And you can see so many different racial stereotypes within the Gremlins within the movie because they have the, you know, they have like um, the gangster gremlin with the gun that shoots. They got the Michael Jackson gremlin and they have, and, uh, and it's, it gets really racist in the theater where they're all talking and like throwing popcorn and all that shit. Mm. And how like the gremlins like multiply when they touch water and stuff. And so a lot of people are saying that gremlins is a very racist movie. Like I, dude, I don't know if that was like kind of like their intention for it, but it's out there on the internet. I guess they can turn anything into anything but i don't know it's like one of those things i don't want to believe because i love gremlins right mm-hmm. yeah we'll always have gremlins too still yeah where he turns into rambo a white guy oh man See, i feel like i i feel like i feel like i just kind of like 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 in like in the matrix like when neo kind of like wakes up and sees like the truth like that's what i've done here with gremlins and i've ruined so many people's perception of this film that we grew up and loved I refuse to believe it, Brian. I don't want to believe it either, man. <laughs> iTunes review is going to be one star. Host ruined Gremlins. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And I don't even know if it's true. But you can read articles. It's all over the fucking internet. It's uh, just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to circle back um, on the Dumbo thing, I I really hope you're right, Brian. Like, I, I recognize that I'm a little bit jaded to the Tim Burton stuff. But I'm 100% going to see this movie I will see it with an open mind. I really hope that everything you said is what we actually get, that it's a little bit of a rain down, like yeah. not just Tim Burton, yeah. tropey Dumbo movie. Because oh. I love Dumbo. It's one of my favorites. I don't know. I just, I'll, be on, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what we're going to get. But I, I'm just going off the trailer that I saw. The trailer looked good, you know? Like it looked good mm-hmm. to me. So I was like, ah, this trailer looks good. This looks like a, like if somebody would have, like if, if you didn't, if they didn't tell me like Tim Burton was involved and that's how I kind of like tried to look at this one was like, uh, you know, I'm just watching a trailer. 
Like the movie could come out and it could be shit. I don't know. But it, the trailer looked good enough to me. I thought the the anim, like the special effects looked good. I thought just the way everything was presented, I was like, okay, I'm into this. I want to see this. I want to see. I want to see this fucking uh, floppy eared uh, elephant fly around and shit. So that's, <laughs> that's what I said. You know what I'm really scared about is the uh, Guy Ritchie Aladdin. I just can't get over how terrible that's probably going to be. Oh God, Guy Ritchie Aladdin. Oh my I'm just so yeah. surprised he kept that job after the the Robin Hood thing. Hey, if I yeah, and the King Arthur or King Arthur, yeah, that's a yeah. If I had three wishes, if I had three <laughs> wishes, number one would be that Guy Ritchie would not be directing this movie. Number two, I would fucking. Uh, Totally not tell people about racist gremlins because I ruined everyone's childhood. <laughs> and then number three, I wouldn't have this goddamn micro penis. So you know, <laughs> I think you've used your wishes very wisely. I think I did. I think I did. I made a lot of people happy. Uh, I saved. Uh, I saved Aladdin, and now I got a yeah, huge. I got a huge cock. So yeah, you were very you were very generous with that yeah. guy Richie Aladdin, Aladdin wish. Like you didn't have to do that. You could give in yourself more good shit. Exactly, exactly. So did it look like the little girl was taking the place of the mouse? Yeah, I think the mouse is gone too. I was wondering about that as well. Mm. So that's kind of sad. Are we going to get any talking animals? Is that are, are none of them going to speak? I, th- I I thought I saw an article titled like uh, the animals will speak. But I don't know. I didn't read it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because I know, like, the in the Favreau Lion King, like, the animals have to speak. There's no yeah, human yeah. characters. Yeah. Like, that's going to be very Jungle Bookish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they, uh, oh. we got another, we got, a, oh, yeah, the Favreau Lion King. We got another Jungle Book coming out with uh, the Andy Circus, the dark one that's supposed to be, like, more faithful to Rudyard Kipling's book or whatever. Andy Circus directed this one, right? Am I crazy about that? You might be right. I don't know. I have no clue. They showed footage, I think, at CinemaCon, but uh, I don't know, man. It seems... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the first trailer for this one to come out. I I held off on this one for a long time, and I I went to The Incredibles 2, and they showed the trailer for the new... uh, What is it? uh, Is it called Christopher Robin? Is it called Christopher Robin? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the second trailer, because, like... I didn't, I didn't like I you know I love Pooh like every other kid growing up you know in the eighties and shit I lo- I loved Pooh growing up and I was like I, I, don't, know, I don't know I don't know I'm a grown man I'm I'm forty like what a well, yeah Pooh like I, like I watched the trailer and I'm like I'm fucking like almost tearing up at like how beautiful <laughs> and faithful and just kind of like imaginative and wonderful this movie looks it just looks like. It looks like a, it looks fucking amazing. It looks great. Yeah. I think it's my most anticipated movie of 2018 right now, honestly. I'm just like, oh, I cannot wait for this movie to melt in the theater with poo. I don't want to say that, but my God. I, like, you know, I've already said that I love the Bengals, so fuck it, you know? I mean, it looks really good. It does. It looks. It, I I couldn't believe it. Like you know, and then they started showing Tigger like bouncing on his tail and I'm Tigger and all this shit. And I'm like, oh my fucking god, this just looks great. And yeah, uh, just getting Jim Cummings to, to uh, voice it again. Yeah, I mean, that was just key right there. It's, it looks. I'm not gonna lie. This looks fucking amazing. Like uh, I can't wait to watch this one. I'm probably gonna be. A lone guy sitting next to a kid in a fucking theater creeping their mom out. So, I mean, it's, it's probably going to happen. 
Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Are you a big Jim Cummings fan, Tristan? He really hasn't gone anywhere. He's basically in every Disney animated movie still. Yeah, yeah, he does multiple voices. He does Tigger, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does all of them, yeah. so In yeah, uh, Princess fan. and the Frog, he gets his own song. He's the lightning bug that gets his own song piece and everything. It's really amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but it's just using his voice and... You know, just the design, the CGI design of the characters. I mean, it was like a mix. I don't know if you ever read the original Winnie the Pooh books, but the design of the the animals is very similar to how they're designed in those books. And it's also, you know, very similar to how it's designed in the, the Disney movies. It's like a balance there. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm, the, the dialogue is just super, like, snappy and funny, too. Like, not only was it, like, really sappy, but, like, I was laughing a bunch, too, at just the dialogue. Yeah, and it was just shit that Pooh would say, you know? Um, and um, Obi-Wan, what's his name? Ewan McGregor. Oh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yeah. I mean, he, he seems to be really invested in the character. Does You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it looks really good. Oh, my God, it looks fucking I hate admitting this, that it looks amazing. Yeah. I it really reminds me of Hook trailer. Yeah, yeah, Hook. I definitely thought of Hook when I saw the first trailer, the first teaser. Yeah, he's like Ewan McGregor's very much that Robin Williams character that's kind of lost the magic and you know gets snaps back into it. And that's not a bad model. Like I, I love Hook. I have to say, the only thing I'm worried about is when they go into the real world, and it reminds me of some like you know like some Smurfs kind of shit. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. I think the trailer is too spoilerific too. Like, it would have been fun to know that the characters are going to meet his daughter in the movie. Like, why are we even showing that in the trailer at all? So, yeah. Eh. But that's Hollywood for you. Yeah. All right. Let's. See. Yeah, they got. They got to show kids that the that, that that they're hanging out with kids, right? Yeah. They could just show random kids on the street being awestruck by them, right? And that could, that's that's kind of a big spoiler, I thought. I don't know. Because the, the trailer makes a big deal about them not thinking they're real. And then right yeah. there in the trailer, they're like, oh, the family finds out they're real, too. I don't know. I think, like, they're looking at it. They want, they want kids to know. They want young kids to know that they're going to hang out with actual kids, that it's not just going to be an adult movie. I think that's the big thing here. We got, I don't care about them kids. And but kids do, kids do. Not you. This movie's this may this movie's not. It's it's targeted to families, and and, and most prominently, it's it's targeted to to children that are going to nag their mom and dad to fucking take them to go see uh, Christopher Robin. The kids these days watch Winnie the Pooh and shit like that. Mm, I don't know. I it seems like I it's thought, not ADD enough. Yeah, I felt like this shit was aimed for people like us <laughs> How do, really i don't know i feel ah, man they showed it before the incredibles it's not like i walked in the yeah. fucking like hereditary and they're showing like a poo fucking trailer well i just felt <laughs> like they I, I felt like they just wanted adults to drag their kids to it i don't know i don't know i, I yeah i feel like they definitely want adults to drag their kids to it but like anytime a kid sees like uh, any type of stuff they, what's going on is somebody popping like bubble wrap what's going on <laughs> that was my water bottle sorry <laughs> It's, it, hold on, Mike's fucking Larry David on the podcast. <laughs> Microphones pick up noise, Tristan. All right, gotcha. All right. 
<laughs> See, people, I'm not mean. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you out because, like, you, yeah. there'll be a whole iTunes about it. Like, you know, I, yeah, Tristan in his water bottle, one star. <laughs> Poppy, Poppy mixes pops yeah. yeah, yeah, Mary Poppins. Anyway, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Um, guys, let's talk about this Fox Disney deal that's going down. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even have the fucking Christopher Robin shit in my notes and that became a segment. That's, that's us going off the rails, people. I just, <laughs> whoa, I, I wanted to Rated talk, in. I wanted to talk about it. You know, I wanted to talk about Christopher Robin. Fox Disney deal. Comcast has bid $65 billion cash to Fox to purchase many of their assets. Disney offered 52 Billion, so if Fox agrees to the Disney deal, uh, if, if Fox agrees to the Comcast deal, Disney will then have five days to offer up a different deal. Um, I want to start off by saying that uh, this week, this the meeting is going to happen uh, this week. So this week, Fox is going to sit down and they're going to look at this deal. And they are going to weigh it against the Disney deal and make a decision. I firmly believe that this deal is a better deal for them as far as... Oh, completely. I mean... Well, this is a cash deal. It's a cash deal. So basically, let me explain this. The cash bid is $35 cash per share as opposed to Disney's deal, which is all tied up in stocks. And I know that the, in, in the Disney deal, they offered, um, they offered a sum of like one or two billion dollars that the deal didn't go through. But I, that's not an issue anymore. With the AT&T Time Warner deal that went through, like that's not an issue. Like the, everybody was looking. That's what Comcast was waiting for. They were waiting to see if that deal was going to go through before they made an official bid. The deal did go through. And as soon as it went through, six, they had it waiting in the wings. We heard about this a couple weeks ago that they were willing to offer 60, 60 billion cash. Now it's 65 billion cash. And, um, so that, that's not a problem anymore. Um, when that deal went through, this helps clear the way for, you know, both Disney or Comcast to make this deal and have it go down swiftly. So, um, Comcast has also agreed to buy out the $1.5 billion breakup fee that Fox would have to pay Disney now for backing out of the deal. So, Looks to me like Comcast is just showing that they have the bigger dick. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Like, they, um, (laughs) this, I think we're going to get into a bidding war now, guys. But just yeah, the fact that this is their first offer, yeah, I mean they're offering cash and it's significantly above what Disney offered in stock. Oh yes, they're like, yeah, you can't fuck with us. Yeah, this is this is way above what Disney is offering. Like, yeah, fifty two billion in stocks versus sixty five billion cash, thirty five dollars per share in cash. Nothing's tied up in stocks. Like you get this money like now. Like, yeah, there's no reason for Fox not to just take that. Like, the, what reason could they possibly have to not take that deal? The Fox shareholders would be livid if they just reject that shit and take Disney's offer. Agreed. 
Agreed. Like, the, yeah. like I, I, I firmly believe that Fox would rather have the properties in the hands of Disney. Like, they feel like Disney would be more faithful for what they want. Yeah. They, but on the flip side, dude, money talks. So, like, yeah. the X-Men and Fantastic Four, they are not back in Disney. What what do you guys think about this though? Some analysts are saying that Disney and Comcast could split Fox assets. A lot of people are saying that Fox is uh, excuse me, Comcast is more interested in Sky, which is like their is that their European network that 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 Comcast is more interested in Sky, and that of course Disney's more kind of like interested in their properties because they want to build their library as far as the streaming service that they have coming out. So could this be something where they split up the assets or do you think or do you think that this might just come down to a bidding war at this point? Hmm. It's very interesting. Like I guess we have to hear someone from Comcast. Like I kind of expect that to be something that if Comcast wins the bidding war, I imagine they would kind of make that statement, right? Like do they give a shit about the Fantastic Four X Men? Well, right now, they're wanna... right now. This sixty-five billion dollar deal is to buy Fox, except for Fox, their news, sports, and then Fox proper. Like they're getting everything else, like FXX, FX, uh, all the properties, all the movies. And this deal is for that. It's not just for Sky. If they split up, if they basically, um, it's up to them to make. If, if they see this deal, then they would have to basically say, we like this deal. Um, how do they get into negotiating if they want to split up assets? Yeah, that would be really interesting. I, I think you're right, though, Brian. I don't think – like Comcast, the biggest thing they want is not the Fantastic Four X-Men franchises. So it very easily could be something that could just well, be bid over. We're talking about yeah, Comcast is universal. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. Universal already has the rights to hmm, Hulk. They have the they have the, they have the distribution rights. Distribution rights. They yeah. have distribution yeah. rights to Hulk. They don't have right film film rights to Hulk. Um, I'm not saying like, and I'm not saying like X Men and Fantastic Four still could not be with Disney. Like they Comcast could on the flip side say, hey, we're going to work out a deal just like Sony here with you. And uh, we'll pay, we'll partake in that as well. Um, that could still happen. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, okay, if you know, it's full steam ahead with like you know the singer verse. If Comcast gets gets uh, gets these characters, um, man, this is. I think we're in a bidding war, guys. Like, and this 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 one hundred percent is why." people need to knock off the whole like when are we going to see like a, a cameo of the x-men or 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 a you know like a fantastic four movie announcement from from the from marvel studios like that's why kevin feige last week said like we're waiting for a call because they knew that this deal was kind of like waiting in the wings with comcast wanting to spend upwards of 65 billion dollars cash tristan you're right like this is like them basically like flapping their big Fucking dick on the table. <laughs> this is a this is a big jump from from fifty two to sixty five, and it's cash. Yeah, and the fanboys really want these this property to go to um to Disney, obviously for X Men, Fantastic Four, and I heard people making the argument that well, Disney stock is so valuable, and you should take that. And I'm thinking, 
dude, they can take the cash and buy fucking Disney stock. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, this offer is not comparable hey, at all. Tristan, think about it this way. And I don't know how the lottery works, but like, let's say you win $300 million and they say, oh, well, we can pay you. Uh, what we can do is we can pay you, and I don't know how it would be divided, but we can pay you $50,000 a month for the rest of your life up until like this point, and then we'll pay you out the full amount. Um, you know, for 20 years and then we'll pay out the rest or whatever. Or you can just, or we can, or we can pay you a lump sum and then you get taxed on the full amount and like it'll come to, you know, 170 million instead of the 300 million. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm taking 170 million and riding off into the goddamn sunset. I might die next year. Shit. Yeah. And that's yeah. basically what we have here going on because, you know, and I don't know how the lottery works, people. So if I like I, and my numbers and might be off, but I do know that you can either sometime in some cases you can take a lump sum or you can like have it paid out over uh, over, you know, years and things like that monthly or weekly or however it works. But like this just makes sense for like this makes sense for like these Fox um, big wigs. It really does. So, yeah. man, that AT and T Time Warner shit was really interesting yeah. too, because that was like caught up in a bunch of fucking legal shit for forever. Mm-hmm. Like they were deciding whether or not if those two things combined, if they could like overcharge the shit out of us for everything. Yeah, they were worried and, about being a, a monopoly. Yeah, and they well, let once that, that pass. Yeah, once that went through, isn't that when Comcast made the bid? Exactly. Yeah, they, that, they were, yeah, they unzipped right when that ended. They were waiting. Yeah. They they were always waiting on this because yeah. they if if that deal didn't go through, then it would they would have been more hesitant to do this. But now they're like they like this is their moment to they're going to strike to kill. And right yeah. now, it's either up to Disney to say, "Well, we really want this," or maybe I think Disney. To be quite honest with you guys, Disney has to jump into this bidding war. They have to. And I'm not saying they're going to jump into the bidding war so they can get the X-Men and Fantastic Four back. They're doing just fine. They're doing just fine. They were doing fine before Spider-Man. They took B-level characters, Iron Man, Thor. Um, their only A-lister, in my opinion, was the Incredible Hulk. But they've turned the Guardians of the Galaxy into a fucking household name. They don't yeah. need the X-Men and Fantastic Four. And the X-Men and Spider-Man are bigger names, in my opinion, than anybody that they had going forward. No, they they built this the hard way. They built it mm-hmm. the fucking hard way. They don't need the X-Men and Fantastic Four to move on. They need the library of films for their... They need 20th Century Fox's library of films to build up their streaming service. That's oh. why they need this deal to go through. That's where it comes in. And that's why I personally, when it comes down to it, I don't want Fox to go away. I I do want Tristan to stop fucking with the water bottle, but I don't want. I don't want. I'm over here afraid to drink water now. <laughs> that's that's the constant state you should be in. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, parching shit, guys. It's hot, <laughs> guys. It's a hot summer. Stay hydrated, okay? Stay hydrated. No, Tristan. Gonna be licking that shit in a bowl like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> lapping it up. Um, Tristan, Jake, like yeah. I, I don't want 20th, 20th Century Fox to go away. But the, the sad truth is it is. 
like this 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 Hollywood legacy 20th Century Fox it's going away so we got to pick the lesser of two evils here where do we trust these properties to go to and I trust Disney over I trust Comcast Universal oh, and totally. I, yeah so that's where I want the pro- I, I want Disney to win this bidding war I hope Disney says uh, let's let's do this like you know because like the, the last thing that we need now guys is the app for Apple to get involved in this shit. Apple's got their own stream. Oh, no. No, think, I'm thinking about, think about it this way, guys. What is Apple doing? Are they, are, cause Apple could outbid all of them. Apple could buy Disney today, Jake, if they really wanted to. Yeah, there was talks about that just recently. There was, like, there uh, was. Almost talks again. I know. I mean, like, that's, this, oh my god. This is, uh, we gotta watch this. And so like, um, I don't. I don't know. Dude, I want. I want Universal to win, dude. I want that X Men Fast and the Furious crossover series <laughs> like yesterday. <laughs> hey, hey, Vin Diesel could play. He could play uh, his character in the uh, the Fast and Furious movies, and he could play fucking uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Black Bolt. Oh no, no, that, 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 you just ruined it. I hope Disney wins now. <laughs> So guys, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have our uh, ears to the ground and we're gonna be waiting, uh, we'll probably be reporting soon on like what, what happens in these meetings, uh, next week. But I, I guarantee you Fox is gonna, Fox is gonna jump on this deal and then Disney has five days to come up with a different offer or just bow out altogether. When's SDCC, Brian? Uh, July. July, July. I I bet both these companies would really like to seal the deal before then. Why? I don't know, just to make a big splash with it. You Nobody, know? like, like uh, Marvel's not doing anything at SDCC except for Defenders, and yeah, um, yeah. And wait, 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 they've already greenlit the next Defenders season. I thought that shit bombed. No, excuse me, not Defenders. Iron Fist. I apologize. Uh, Iron Fist. Uh, even worse. <laughs> no, Marvel doesn't have a big presence. Yeah, I'm sorry. Marvel doesn't have a big presence at SDCC this year, except for Iron Fist. I know that uh, HBO dropped out completely out of San Diego Comic-Con this year. Basically, Oof. San Diego Comic-Con is right this year. It's all television and then DC. Like, there's no – there's literally like – There's no Game of Thrones either. No Game of Thrones. Nothing No nothing HBO. Like, zero HBO. Nothing. Yeah. Um, so, like, no, like, Westworld, anything. I know, you know Westworld's been playing, but nothing. There's nothing going all on right. at HBO. So that has no bearing. My pal, I was just trying to think if there was any yeah, yeah. reason why they would want to, no, you it's, know, it's all fast gonna be- track the – DC is going to own SDCC this year. Like it's going to be, it's going to be Aquaman trailer. It's going to be um, concept art of like Wonder Woman eighty four. It's going to be Shazam trailer. That's that's basically what we're going to get here for the San Diego Comic Con when they do those those panels in Hall H on Saturday. San Diego Comic Con is just not what it used to be anymore. Disney, as far as like they've they've had their, they have their own Marvel. Kind of like celebration. They have their own, you know, um, Star Wars celebration. Star Wars they, celebration. Yeah, D twenty three is like that's. So everybody's kind of like it's basically San Diego Comic Con is like DC and television at this point, Jake. It's 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 yeah. it's sad, really. <laughs> so yeah, even television now has the freaking like Paley Fest. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It has kind of it has kind of gone away. The magic of San Diego. Uh, let's see. Oh, shit. Deadline is reporting that Amblin and James Wan's Atomic Monster are, uh, is that, is that, is, is that, is that a, uh, is that, is that his penis? His Atomic Monster? Like, I can't, I got a micro penis, so I don't, I don't. 
James Wan's <laughs> atomic monster. He said somebody's overcompensating, calling. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they're in the uh, early stages. I gotta stop that joke. It's getting ridiculous. I'm getting out of hand with it. <laughs> I'm like, the micro penis joke. Yeah, the micro penis joke. Letting that guy like you know dominate the whole episode with me like trying to figure out little ways to like slip that in because I'm like I can't really sl- well I guess I could slip my dick in because it's that, that that damn small. It's not like it's gonna okay anyway. Um, <laughs> James Wan's Atomic Monster. That must be his production company. They're in the early stages of a remake of Arachnophobia. The 1990 Frank Marshall-directed horror comedy film about a species of South American killer spiders that crosses the U.S. border in a coffin. It breeds and becomes a massive killer. Jeff Daniels and John Goodman starred in the original in which a few brave souls try to track down the queen before the hybrid breed can take hold. Uh, Juan, who most recently completed Aquaman for DC and Warner Brothers, won't direct this. He'll guide it as a producer. Atomic Monster is in post-production on the latest in the Conjuring universe, The Nun, which is slated to hit theaters on September 7th, and they will set a writer for this shortly. Looks like it's going to happen, though. Jake, I don't know about you, Tristan, I don't know about you, but like Arachnophobia was one of those movies that my parents took me to in the theaters, and it was also one of those movies when I watched it in the theater, I I felt stuff like crawling on me. Like you could feel... Mm. Like mm-hmm. you're watching like all these little tiny spiders, these deadly spiders, and you get like it in your head that you feel like, oh, my God, am I feeling something like crawling on my neck? People were literally going into theaters and like kids were like touching each other on the on the ankles and stuff like that, tapping each other on the ankles, trying to freak each other out and stuff like <laughs> this was a hit movie. As far as I remember, this was John Goodman when he was still on Roseanne and he was he was being pushed in the marketing for this film big time. It was like his first big gig in a Hollywood film and he played the exterminator and like in the trailers like they made the bug man. The bug man. Mm-hmm. They made a big deal of him in the trailers and they did a great job marketing him in the trailers cuz he was hot and really popular uh, uh in Roseanne. I I loved Arachnophobia seeing this in the in the theater for the first time. Oh yeah, arachnophobia was one of my favorites too. It's definitely one of those great childhood memories. And yeah, John that was John Goodman's kind of first big role, right? It was like after that he kind of blew up and did the yeah. King Ralph thing and yeah. had a couple mm-hmm. other movies. So yeah, I don't know about the idea of a remake though. Like I, James Wan is a comparable filmmaker and everything, but it's like, well, why not James Wan just make the Spider movie? Like, and is arachnophobia even a? a a draw to such a mass amount of people these days that it even matters to like kind of take that franchise. I think that it, I think the movie is ripe for, I think, the, I think audiences are ripe for a spider movie. You don't have to call it arachnophobia. I 100% agree with you. The problem that I have with this is, are they going to use practical effects or is it going to be CGI spiders? Mm, I didn't even think about that. It's probably going to be uh, James Wan, though. Makes me not makes me wonder either way. I mean, I think the key is just to blend the two, right? You definitely have to do some practical practical effects, but then still the CGI for the the big sequences. I want one hundred percent practical effects. To be quite honest with you. I can't remember if they were all practical in the original, were they? Or was it some stop motion going on? 
It was all practical as far as I remember. All, uh, I, I, stop motion is base, is basically practical. I guess just non-CGI. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think a lot of this is has to go with casting too, right? You get some good names in there, some people that you want to see with, with the effects and the spiders. And maybe if you did like the original did and you'd get like an up-and-comer, you know? from a yeah. sitcom that hasn't had his big breakout yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, the, the original had Jeff Daniels and John Goodman. They were fantastic. I man, I just I think that I think that uh, I think theater goers I think when theater goers were really ready for a Jurassic World performed so well. I loved the movie. I don't care. I I I will never apologize for my love for that movie. It just it hit every fucking thing for me. I love Jurassic World. But I think part of the reason that movie did so well is that audiences were ripe for a fucking dinosaur movie at that time, that summer in 2015. I think audiences are ready for a scary spider movie. And you don't have to necessarily call it like arachnophobia, but like, what else? I don't know. What do you, what do you call it? Like, uh, you know, spider's web? What do you call it? But so, <laughs> eight legged freaks. Yeah. Ex- I can see why they're using the IP. You know, I mean, arachnophobia does yeah. ring a bell for people. It does. And, it does. You know, just saying the spider movie, you know, I mean, even yeah. if it's a great movie directed by James Wan, I think it's still, arachnophobia is still just going to draw people in just based on the fact that we remember that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I want to see a good spider movie, man. There's something about like that movie when I saw it as a, as a kid in the theater, like it, I felt like I had spiders crawling on me at certain points. Like I was like, you know, you, know, you get that in your mind and it was, ah, oh, I, I really liked that movie. So I hope it's, I don't think I've well. seen that movie in over a decade. I need to revisit that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it too, man. To be honest with you. Uh, hey, Brian, were those, uh, spiders a metaphor for black people too? Oh, stop it. You stop it. No. I am just trying to educate people. I am, hey, hold on. Hold on. I am, no. I am trying to educate people. I am not, I am. I know you are. That's, I'm just having fun with it. No, no, the spiders, we, I, I'm, shut up. God damn it, you're gonna get me in trouble. Stop it. It's like, you know how they just crawl all over you sometimes? Is that a metaphor? Uh, you're Disclaimer, t- I am African American. Yes. To the viewers out there. Yes, yes. Oh man, so. <laughs> I know. I oh, like Jake. I thought it was a wise decision to kind of like open up people's eyes about gremlins because it is out there. It is in the internet. Like, it's not like I was the one that thought this up. And like, I'm now I'm paying the price. I ruined gremlins, so Tristan's gonna make me. Tristan's gonna make me pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I I remember hoping Brian had made this up and then googling it and being like, God damn it, yeah. this is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> no, I just want to watch Gremlins through through an ignorant lens. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. I do too. It's it's one of those things where it's like I. You know, like, I guess we could turn anything, like, I, I feel like, like, the, the crows in Dumbo are overtly racist, right? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like. Yeah, his name is Jim Crow, which, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 And like, uh, the, uh, what are the, the fucking, uh, the bots, the robots in the, in the second Transformers movie. That's like, come on. 
Give me a fucking break. Dude, that, that pissed me off. Me and my buddy Jamal, after we watched that movie, we just fucking sat around and talked about how much that, that just, just doing that was an insult and how it ruined the Transformers franchise for a lot of black people. It was just terrible. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, yeah, Michael Bay really fucked himself over with that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why those kids, that's why those robots never came back in a future film. <laughs> <laughs> they should have came back just to show up just getting like blown the fuck up before they could even speak or something, right? That was <laughs> like that the same movie with the robot testicles. Yes, oh, yes, it, it is. The second is. one's by far the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, Devastator had uh, robot testicles. So. <laughs> and they just do all the same joke. Like the second one is exactly the same as the first one. They recycle every joke again with him and his parents, and mm. oh, it's so terrible. Yeah. Oh, they recycled all the jokes, but it's in college now, and mom gets yeah. high. Mom get mom eats mom eats pot brownies, and it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just like a little bit more goofier, right? It's like a terrible case of sequelitis, right? <laughs> it's a mom. Uh, it's a mom who takes pot brownies. <laughs> On a college campus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It was terrible, terrible fucking movie. The first one, you know, the first one had a little bit of heart to it. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, a boy in his car and shit like that. And that's, I feel like that's where, did you guys hear that, uh, they might, if, if this, if this Bumblebee movie does well, uh, one of the producers on the Bumblebee movie, uh, last name of Bonaventura, he said that the, 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 the uh, the goal here is to possibly make a uh, Optimus Prime solo film. Yeah, I did read that. I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. I I wish they'd explore a, a little bit, like not go right to Optimus Prime. Oh, right? I guess God. it's just all about the money, though. No, we get no, 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 no. It's not all about the money, man. If this works, if this works, if they can tell a single story that's not combined with anything else, Optimus Prime has an incredible story. If you give me this, and if you get Peter Cullen to come back, this guy's not going to live forever. I love Peter Cullen. The more, the more Peter Cullen I can have in my life, the better. But if you can get Peter, that's a solid point. If you can get Peter Cullen to do a story of this, just basically Orion Pax. That's before before he was Optimus Prime. Before Optimus Prime had the Matrix of Leadership, he was just a regular robot on Cybertron named Orion Pax. And there's a lot, a lot of cool story there. That they, if they really wanted to do a cool Optimus Prime origin story and take us back to Cybertron and show, do you us, think they'll really do a movie that's based on Cybertron? That's exact. You're right, man. Like. Is, is, is he going to be on Earth? The thing is, the thing is that makes me think that that. Um, but we knew Bumblebee from the last film was on Earth during like you know World War Two, and so of course he'd be here during the eighties. Like so, he was probably like was he, he was like in some kind of like you know human. He was in some kind of like human Autobot program that they had going on in that fucking film, which I only saw once, guys. So. Uh, forgive me if my memory isn't uh, serving me here, but like Optimus Prime, I would want to believe is like you know thousands of years ago on Cybertron. I think it would be cool if we just got like a Cybertron based film. But of course, they'd they want to show G one tra- like if they did it in the eighties, they'd want to have you know Optimus Prime transform you know into a big rig truck. And uh, he didn't transform into that when he was on Cybertron, when he was known as Orion Pax. I don't know, man. I'm just – dude, I'm a G1 fan. And just to get the origin story of, 
you know, Optimus Prime as Orion Pax would be fucking amazing for me. But I'm talking out my ass. That'll never happen. You're right, Tristan. I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like, you're right. You're absolutely and right. And a racist. And, yes, I am. I am. I am cable from. <laughs> I am. I am. I am cable in Deadpool too. <laughs> Hopefully the um, Captain Marvel movie, man. If it makes a shit ton of money, maybe that the studio says, "Hey, we have to make this '80s Transformers movie. Look at this '80s superhero movie. We we've got the perfect '80s characters See, to do an '80s period piece." We're kind of at a crossroads with uh, Transformers here, Jake. Because what's really weird is like. They're, they're planning this, Hasbro is planning this, um, um, whole reboot with like their mask movie, uh, their one, the reboot G.I. Joe, and I thought they were wanting to reboot Transformers as well after Bumblebee, and, uh, have like this whole, this whole cinematic, shared cinematic Hasbro universe, which I think is bullshit. Just give me like, just give me an 80s Transformers movie, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't need all these toys to be able to meet each other. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, I don't know. And that's the thing. I think if the Bumblebee movie does well, that they'll keep this going. Um, and, uh, yeah, of course, they're going to want to look to Optimus Prime. But, like, wouldn't it be kind of crazy if they just, like, look to, like, a completely different Autobot or whatever? That's what I'm saying, yeah. You know, like, we get or a Decepticon. Like we get a uh, cliff jumper movie, or uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I, don't, I really don't know how to. I know what I would like to see. I would like to see them just kind of like after this Bumblebee movie comes out, no matter how successful it is, just kind of like blow everything up and start over, and you know, yeah. take advantage of that writers' room that they got that they assembled and. And just make, you know, great movies going forward. You can have Travis Knight come back and do more stories, but just set them in, you know, just do it differently. But well, I think you're going to get a Bumblebee trilogy if this thing is does well. <laughs> That's what they're going to be focusing on. Bumblebee in every decade. Bumblebee in the 40s. Yeah. What's up then? No, no, no. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, they're not going to ever give you all the Transformers together ever again. They're just going to dole them out one at a time. <laughs> Let's Make uh it last. <laughs> we're gonna jump into Marvel News right now. Cool. Marvel News. Jake, are you good with Marvel News now? You gotta take a break, buddy. No, I'm good. You're good. All right. We'll finish Marvel News, then we'll take a break before we do DC News, because DC News action fucking packed this week. But anyway, Marvel News, guys. Uh, we got Luke Cage, season two, coming out June 22nd. Yeah, that kind of took me by surprise. I didn't didn't realize it was coming up so soon. Uh, so I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen a trailer or nothing. Early reviews are that it's better than season one. So That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, that is good. It's I, promising. Yeah, I mean, it started out fantastic, man. Like, it really The first did. half, yeah. The first half was great. I really enjoyed the stuff with Cottonmouth. I and think that, that season died with Cottonmouth. Didn't it? Yeah, when Cottonmouth... Spoilers. When Cottonmouth died, the season died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, and do you think that was just because they didn't realize how awesome Mahershala Ali would be in that role? 
I think I that. I mean, because why would they replace him with this freaking tropey villain after that? Dude, I think they should have realized that that, that Mahersa Ali should have been their fucking blade, right? Mm. Don't waste him on yeah. Cottonmouth that dies in a fucking first season. Like, you take this guy yeah. and you make him Blade. You make him Blade in a fucking either MCU movie or another Netflix series. Like, yeah. you don't waste him. You don't waste him in, in half of the season of Luke Cage season one. Yeah, I agree. You think we'll see Blade come back as a movie when we see Blade come back again finally? Uh, Blade is definitely, if, if it, I don't know. It's one of those things. I think it would have to at this point, unless because it would only. I think it would only survive on the Netflix Marvel deal. I don't think unless if, if the Disney deal goes through. If the Disney, let's say the Disney deal goes through, Disney is going to be sixty percent owner of Hulu, which we could definitely see a Blade series pop up on Hulu then, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. I don't think that any new future Marvel Netflix series will be announced. Um, I think it's kind of like they're kind of like holding out on that right now, and they're waiting to see what happens with this deal. Because if they get Hulu, like we've got, you know, Runaways on Hulu. Of course, like you know, Cloak and Dagger on ABC Freeform makes sense, which makes sense because Disney owns ABC. But you know, I think they're waiting to see what happens with this whole Fox deal, and like because if. If they can get Hulu, they own, they are, I mean, they've already owned a streaming service and they already, now they have the infrastructure for like their own separate streaming service. And they're not going to want to put Blade on their family friendly streaming service. They will have Blade show up on Hulu along with The Runaways, which The Runaways did dive into some adult kind of like, um, uh, adult material. So. But as far yeah, as why I'm, even do Blade if you're not gonna do it violent? Yeah, as far as a movie goes, like, oh man, yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I like it would it would take it would take that big name to kind of like throw their hat into the ring and say like if Fox was if Fox still if Fox still had control of the property, I think that we would have had like a Jamie Fox Blade movie a couple of years ago. To be quite honest with you, like yeah, that, I feel yeah. like a lot of people want it, and it would be a giant hit. Would you guys accept Wesley just stepping back into the role? No, I, w- I would not. No, I'd I'd want to see him as the Whistler. Yeah, I'd be fine with that with him playing a part, but I don't want to see him as like the vehicle star of it. I think he's holding out hope that he's going to get that because every he time is. he's questioned about, it, he's like, "Yeah, I met with Marvel." Yeah, I know he is. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think yeah. anything's happening, buddy. I do. I, if, if they brought him back, I'd want to see him step into Chris, uh, Christopher. Uh, Christopherson's role as the Whistler, uh, right? Yeah, that's what I'd want, you know. But I don't yeah, know. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. I don't know. Like, part of me is getting burnt out on that kind of shit, where like they have past people in roles like showing up, and I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that they keep throwing Arnold Schwarzeneggers and Arnold Schwarzenegger into this the, the Terminator movies, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that might be what's giving you fatigue. I mean, and that kind of thing is happening all over the place where it's just like you bring the, the guy back. Like, I mean, sometimes good, sometimes bad, right? Yeah. Cobra Kai is a little bit of, of that kind of feeling. So, I mean, it, yeah. it can be done where you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. Um, THR. Yeah, we go on. I didn't even have, I didn't think we'd talk about Blade people. Sorry. For, <laughs> sorry. Dude, that first fucking Blade movie, though. Jesus. I remember seeing that in the theater and just being blown away. 
Yeah, yeah, I think the second's the best of the three. The second's uh, the best, in my opinion, too. Yeah, Steven Dorff is not, like, the best <laughs> villain, but I, I enjoyed Blade Two as well. The uh, third one is just a steaming pile of shit. The third one oh, has great. its moments. It has its moments. It has its... I liked Ryan Reynolds in the third one. He was fun. Um, THR revealed that at City Europe, they showed some Captain Marvel footage and Avengers 4 footage, uh, quote, from the Marvel Universe, which is celebrating its first 10 years and a 16 billion dollar box office haul to date 16 billion uh, 16 billion between uh, all the movies guys that's crazy right wow. yeah it's nuts kevin feige served up some exec- uh, exclusive glimpses of the untitled fourth avengers film due for release april 26 of 2019 in the uk and then may 3rd 2019 in the U.S., alongside a special early look at Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, which is set to land in March of 2019. Several scenes from Ant-Man and the Wasp reuniting Paul Rudd with Evangeline Lilly alongside Marvel newcomer Hannah John Kamen as the new adversary Ghost were also shown three weeks ahead of its July 6th debut. And so there was some footage Shown and a special early look at Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. So Avengers 4 footage. The only detail that I could find out about the footage that was shown in the Avengers 4, what, uh, there was a Nikita Birkin, Birkin, excuse me, on Twitter, and she said, quote, there was also a small look at the Avengers suits, including Hulk's new armor. This lines, oh. yeah, Hulk's new armor. This lines up with concept art as well of Hulk's. Hulk has a, a different costume slash armor coming out in Avengers Four. So this does line up. I believe this one hundred percent. Yeah, I believe that too. It's crazy that they've actually kept the lid on this that we haven't seen any leaks or anything. Uh, they probably were checking phones. Yeah, yeah, they must have been. Like, you know, like sometimes at definitely at this Cine Europe, they probably were checking phones when when people were walking in. Um, what is it? What? Why is Hulk wearing new? Is it new armor, new costume? Is he is he trying to get ready for a rematch with Thanos? He just wants to be ready for it. Hmm. He's trying to he's trying to be on equal footing with the Power Stone. Yeah. I You know, dude, I was thinking that like. I think, I think, okay, there's two ways to look at this. Like, of course, the obvious is, like, Hulk gets, like, new Wakandan tech, right? Or Stark tech. Stark tech or Wakandan tech. Kind of a suit, right? But. Yeah, or like a combination of the both. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, Hulk went out and had Itri make him armor? That'd be awesome. That'd be oh, that would be sweet. Like like some Planet Hulk looking armor. Yeah. Like but 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 you know like you know like Thor kind of like shows off his uh his new his new weapon, Stormbreaker, and Hulk's like, "Well, shit. Let's take a trip out there and have Eitri make me some shit." But they make it pretty clear though that no one other than the gods can wield these weapons, though, right? Oh, but Hulk is right up there, man. Hulk can handle it, man. Hulk is like, he couldn't she, pick up Mjolnir. He can't pick up Milnor, but Milnor, that's, that's magic. That's magic. I think that Hulk right. would absolutely be able to wield one of these weapons. Just a regular weapon that's made, 
you know, for a, for a god. I think Hulk, Jake, in the comic books, like, and I know I'm comparing, is Hulk, is Hulk considered like, there, I know there's different levels as far as like powers. Is he considered a level four or a level five? I think he he varies because in the comic they play a lot more with his power set does grow with how angry he gets. Yeah, kinda. yeah. So I think traditionally he's a four, but there's the rare occasions where he can become a five, where you get your like World War Ho Hulk moments that and storylines like that. That makes sense. That makes sense because like I you know I've read I've read a few storylines where like they're like you know we're going up against huge threats. We need like you know, a level four threat and like Hulk is like, I think you're right. Level four, but Hulk could like, if he gets angry enough, can like make himself a level five possibly. At that point, Banner is completely out of the equation. It's just mad, mad rage. Do you think the new armor has anything to do with the, the storyline of, we still haven't even seen him be able to turn into Hulk again yet. Yeah. But I, this feels like it's, it, it feels like it's Hulk's armor. So it's not like, they're not saying it's like Bruce Banner, in a suit like we saw him in the hulk buster this is hulk's armor so i mean i'm hoping that by by the time you know if we're if we're to imagine that uh do, do we think that by the time we get to yeah we got to imagine that if they're doing a time jump and maybe it's a decade like they're talking about the the rumor is that like once we jump into avengers 4 a decade has passed and spoilers guys spoilers has passed and uh a decade has passed since uh, Thanos snapped his fingers and turned everybody into dust. So are we, are we, cause we knew that like, what was it? Banner had been, uh, for two years. Was it two years that Banner was not Banner? He was the Hulk for two years. And now About the two years. Yeah. Yeah. So like now Banner has basically a decade possibly that it's just been Banner and no Hulk. That'd be interesting. I like the idea of that. It's almost, it's very, like, on a Luke Skywalker, right? A lot of fans are going to be like, yeah, there hasn't been Hulk this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing nothing. <laughs> wow, man. But, yeah, that's interesting. I, I like the idea of it. Like, I definitely want to see, I, I think we miss something if cinematically we don't see, like, the next time Banner turns into Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I don't like want to. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't want to. I don't want to feel like, oh yeah, he just worked it out, and now for the past ten years, like you know, Banner and Hulk have been um, working together. They've figured everything out, and you know, Banner has actually been teaching the Hulk, and and um, the Hulk and him have kind of like this uh, relationship now, where they can, you know, I still want to. I still, yeah, it, it'd be awesome, like. If Banner is saying like the Hulk hasn't talked to me in a decade, yeah, it would just make it that much more powerful when you finally see him turn into the Hulk again. I, I, I really do think they robbed the audience and kind of lessen the impact yeah. of stuff that happened in Infinity War if they got to got past that. What? Well, he has to t- go ahead turn into the Hulk at like just the right moment, right? <laughs> you know, he what? has to he has to transform. Yes, like, something is forcing him to, dude. You dude, know, dude. like. Tristan, uh, Black Tristan. Widow, or someone getting killed, oh. or something like that. Oh my God! What? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, oh my God, you're blowing my goddamn mind. Yes, like, what makes him? What makes him turn into the Hulk after a decade? Like, hypothetically, if this is what we're looking at in the movie, it's been a decade, blah blah blah, since he's been the Hulk. You blew my mind there, Tristan. Black Widow dies. That sends him oh. over the edge. That yeah. works. That fucking works, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god, holy fuck. Yeah, you yeah. Know, 
hopefully they don't yada yada past that. Like that would be really stupid, right? Like it would mean they kind of wrote themselves into a box and they weren't willing to kill a black. And it Widow doesn't. And it do, well, it doesn't mean that Black Widow can't come back once once they get control of the stones, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true as well. And if they were ever going to do Black Widow like movies, like it's the early stuff we want to see anyway. Oh God, yeah, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see her being brainwashed by the Russians and shit. Right. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So it's. I, I think even if they make that like bold move yeah. and kill that character off, like oh, it, fuck yeah. that doesn't mean we can't see the Black Widow solo movies. Dude. Yeah. I absolutely want to see like Black Widow and maybe maybe even throw Renner in there. Give him some love. Have I want to mm-hmm. see some early missions of those guys. Hopefully he won't break both of his goddamn arms. But I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Renner. And, you know, I don't have to see a whole movie of, like, her and Renner teamed up, but maybe just, like, that one mission that they talk about, I think, in Avengers, they, they, like, they drop, uh, you know, hints that they've been on missions before. Let's see that mission. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Oh I agree. my god! I don't know. I hope that the ten-year time jump does. It, it is very interesting, but I guess none of it could matter once you're dealing with time travel and the time stuff. It doesn't like matter. It doesn't matter. Halfway through the movie, we could be going back to where we left off. You well, know? The, the reason that I'm saying that there is probably, I was saying like five years at first, but then they're saying like we had Gwyneth Paltrow talking to a magazine that looked like it was an official Marvel magazine, but it's not an official Marvel magazine is what I'm finding out. But she says a decade has passed and, um, her and Tony have a child together. And, um, then, then also they've cast a teenage Ant-Man's daughter in the movies is like six, seven, eight years old or whatever. They've recast that character in Avengers 4 and she's an older actor, like a teenage actor. So, and then the pictures of Robert Downey Jr. on set in the New York scenes for Avengers 4, his hair is more gray than we've traditionally seen him in these previous movies. All of those things line up with this being possibly a decade later. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, and, and just, I guess that's fun too. If you start a decade later, it doesn't mean it's from then on, like no, straight narrative, no, obviously. No. Why does, so might as well play around with it. Another thing that I kind of talked, I talked about this with Finn for a little bit, like on our Facebook page. Uh, but, uh, you know, I said, we didn't get Hawkeye in this movie. We find out he retired and he went back with his family. What's going to bring him out of retirement? Oh, the fact that fucking Thanos snapped his goddamn fingers, right? And his family's gone, right? His family, oh, yeah. His family that's turned, a given, I that's think. It's a given. Fan, Hawkeye's family turned to dust and that's going to bring Hawkeye out of retirement. Yeah, you think every single one of them, he didn't get a single kid yeah. left? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're all gone. Just I the do. bratty kid is left. <laughs> just just the kid he didn't like very much is left. <laughs> it's like, why are you still here? I think, I think uh. dude, I think they're all gone. <laughs> it's easier to explain than like, oh, okay. Then, yeah, this little shithead's still here, though. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta find a sinner for this fucking asshole so I can yeah. save the universe. Uh, CBR.com had an article about the Cine Europe and uh, it said MCU Cosmic has 
details regarding Disney's presentation at Cine Europe 2018 in Barcelona yesterday, which included an interview with Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige for Avengers 4 and footage of Captain Marvel. The real introducing those in attendance to the next edition of the MCU reportedly included a mention to Captain Marvel becoming, quote, the new face and leader of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That speaks volumes. New face and new leader? Are we are we out cap? Are we out Iron Man? Yeah, man. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of the biggies die in Avengers 4. I've kind of been feeling it, you know? It and, seems uh, like it, the time... Go ahead. I was going to say, they're kind of positioning Captain Marvel as that person. I mean, I don't... I think they'll still like have a fail safe in case, you know, reception isn't there. But I think the the big plan is go ahead with Captain Marvel here. Well, I think they, you know, they have some pretty big balls as far as just turning over leadership right now because, you know, clearly Tom Holland and, and T'Challa can can be respectable members of the of the MCU moving forward. I mean, their movies did very well, they're very well received. Mm. I think they're very confident that they can bring in new blood now. Yeah, yeah. And kind of pass the torch. Yeah. I, I would even, to a lesser extent, include Stephen Strange after the performance in Avengers, Infin- yeah. Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. I know not everybody was sold on, you know, Cumberbatch in his solo movie. I was personally. He, he won me over. I, I was, I was skeptical. Jake, you were skeptical. We were both skeptical. Oh you know, yeah, as, yeah. As you said, Brian, I think he won the the rest of the fans over with Avengers: Infinity War as yeah. far as his his role in that movie. Agreed, and, and same thing. And, it, um, it works that way sometimes, and it, it honestly it worked in reverse for me for Ant Man. It was, it was. I was not a big fan of the Ant Man solo film. I gave it a taste. It. I was not a big fan of that movie, and I've gone back and I've watched it. I'm still not just a huge fan of it. I'm a fan of moments, but I'm not a huge fan of the film. Paul Rudd won me over in Civil War. That's when he won me mm-hmm. over. So I'm, I, I'll be honest with you, like I'm over the moon for fucking Ant-Man and the Wasp. It looks fucking amazing. It really does look that damn good. I'm not gonna go in and be like, well I didn't like the last movie, this movie's gonna be a taste of as well. No, the fucking trailers look goddamn great. The trailers look really fucking good in this movie. The uh, the villain in this one looks like she's going to be really interesting. We've got Walton Goggins playing a villain in this movie as well. So it's like we've got Ghost, we've got Walton Goggins. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. So Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah I, it's, you're it's right. Zero interest prior to um, Infinity War. And, and now I'm just trying to look for any sort of tie to that to that universe now you know we have a year until yeah. avengers 4 yeah so now i'm trying to see i know you hate the post-credit scenes jake but i really, really <laughs> want to see if something <laughs> sheds a little bit more light on what's going to happen absolutely man uh, man post-credit scenes because you're add it's like oh i gotta know what's gonna happen next now <laughs> uh, i love it i love it oh my god if i could if I could bend over post credit scenes and, and just fuck it with my micro penis, I would, Jake. I would. <laughs> it would be satisfying for me, but not for not for the pe- post credit scenes. But uh yeah, yeah. I uh I just took advantage of post credit scenes in a very uh weird position there. Um <laughs> Brie Larson talked to E online about Captain Marvel and gave us 
a hint at how powerful the MCU version of the character will be. Quote, she's so strong, she can move planets. So to me, it's like, how far can I go with this strength? And... I don't know. Hold on here. Like, this lines up. It lines up with what Kevin Feige has said in in the past. Quote, he said, the strongest character that we've ever had. We've heard Kevin Feige say that. Now, my question to you is, is that too powerful? Like, we can all say, like, oh, we we trust Marvel to do what they need to do with the character. Is it too powerful, though? Like, we've, we've run into the problem with Superman being too powerful in the comics and in the films. And, you know, to the point where super, if Superman punches somebody, he's gonna fucking knock their head off. Like, you, you can't have him going up against humans all the time. You can't, you can't, we can't watch him like punch Lex Luthor. Like, it just can't happen. So like, are we gonna get a way overpowered Captain Marvel here? Like, in the comics, is Captain Marvel more powerful than the Hulk? Yeah. That is interesting, right? If you don't make her, like, infallible, it just kind of becomes boring, right? Like, if we establish that that's what's up in her movie and then she's just the savior of everything in Avengers 4, it it seems kind of boring. So, I mean, I'm hoping there's a little bit more tact than that, right? Yeah, this and this this has nothing to do with like uh man versus woman here, people. Like it's Oh, no, not at yeah, all. No, no, I, I just want to establish that. I don't want people to think that like if she's more powerful than Thor, then so be it. It's like it I'm not trying to overcompensate for my tiny fucking penis here. I let Thor worry about his. So, I I'm just saying like I'm just saying like, you know, I don't want to see, I, I want to see a strong fucking cosmic character in Captain Marvel, but I don't want to see her so overpowered that it makes the character uninteresting. Yeah, you want to see her overcome and conquer. Yes. Not just always know that it's, she's James Bond basically. Right. Like, dude, I, if she, she can move planets, like, I don't, I've never even seen a Superman movie where he's moved the planet. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I can't. It's it's the idea of like, what are they going to show us that has me really excited? I'm right? sorry, like, Superman moved the Earth when he flew around it. Okay, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. I remember. <laughs> fuck you. Stop. Put down your goddamn keyboard. He flew. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody like literally like Superman, like pushing against the Earth with his goddamn hands and moving. It's even more impressive that he fucking reversed the. Yeah, the spin of of the earth. Yeah, I mean, like that shit was dude. As soon just as the same thing, Tristan. As soon as I fucking said it, dude. <laughs> as soon as I has, I said it, I I heard fucking like fingers clicking on the goddamn keyboards, <laughs> like some some fucking ass nuggets getting on Twitter saying at, at lazy Jedi Bry, Superman <laughs> did in fact move the Earth in Superman when he flew backwards and brought Lois Lane back to life. He reversed time. Not only did he. <laughs> Moved the planet, but he also reversed time. Yeah, all right, all right, Poindexter, fuck you. You're right, I'm wrong. <laughs> one one star review, fucking averted. Yes, we did it. We did it. Manic oh, Monday. Man. Anyway, <laughs> bringing it back, buddy. Um, yeah, Jake, I mean, is this going to cause a problem or do you think that Kevin Feige's got it under control? Uh, I, I'd have to hope he's got it under control after all these movies, that there's nothing to worry about, that the, there's an exciting master plan and it won't just be 
boring like that. Yeah, I would hope so. Tristan, what are you thinking, man? Is it is she if she can move planets, is she too powerful? Is she too powerful? Does it make the character uninteresting? I just don't see Marvel going that route. I, I don't see them going the route of uh, just this character that's invulnerable and has no weaknesses and too powerful. I just don't see them creating this this character that people wouldn't find interesting. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Feige's been doing the right thing these past 10 years, and if they're saying that this person's going to be the focal point of the MCU moving forward, I think she's going to have a pretty compelling story and and just compelling qualities as well yeah so even if they do even if they do make her that powerful there's going to be something that humanizes her it's not always about like how powerful the character is as far as strength is either because when it comes down to it um the hulk physically is stronger than captain america 10 out of right. 10 times 10 out of 10 times they fucking have an arm they, they they arm wrestle the hulk wins 10 out of 10 times but whose will is stronger whose will is stronger captain america yeah, yeah. cap captain every every day all day i tell you one thing like captain america is not going to get like if they're arm wrestling captain america is not not going to he's not going to tap out he's not going to give up he's going to give it his all every time every fucking single time he'll he'll fucking like if somebody's got an in, in if somebody had captain america in an arm bar he's going to let his fucking arm snap he's not tapping out that's his will is way stronger than the Hulk's. And I think like that's what makes a great leader. I don't think it's like I don't think it's all about like let's just power up this fucking superhero. I think it also has to come down to their will. Like and that's why I think some in some regards, like Captain America works better in film and in some of the comics better than Superman. Like I grew up loving Christopher Reeve Superman. Oh my god, I loved Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, and thank God they threw kryptonite into the story. Cause like without kryptonite and without, and, and more recently, like in the last few years, like magic and things like that, magic affects Superman. But you know, like you, you want to see, you want to see your, you want to see your fucking hero go against some adversity. And I, you know, I, yeah, I that's kind of what Marvel came in and did so well when ex- they first started. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Cause you had, you had like, you had, uh, you had, you know, all these, uh, Flash is the fastest. You had Superman the strongest. Batman's the detective. And you had all these. The world's had, greatest detective. The world's <laughs> greatest detective. And then, and then Stan Lee comes in there. And, you know, Jack Kirby. And they create these characters that have problems. They're not perfect. You know, like Peter Parker blames himself for Uncle Ben dying. You've got, you know, Reed Richards, like, who feels guilty for his best friend turning into a rock monster. You know, you've got... You got Tony Stark, the alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. 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 The persecuted X-Men. And I think, like, that's kind of like what Zack Snyder really wanted to do in the Man of Steel, guys. I really did. And and he, he wanted to show us a conflicted Superman, and some of the DC purists didn't like it for that. And... I don't know. Are we, I, I'm done. I'm done talking about it. I, I don't want to turn this. I'm not, we're going to, we got plenty of DC news, so I'm not going to bring it up here. I want to talk about, I want to talk about this before we take a break. James Gunn has said this before and he said it again. He talked about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on Twitter. He said, Volume 3, he said this before, this is nothing new. Volume 3 will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films. 
Okay, mm-hmm. that's the first quote. Volume three will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films. So if I'm if I'm reading that, Jake, I'm thinking, okay, this will complete that story, the story of Star Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, uh, you know, uh, Groot, um, you know, Drax, uh, Nebula. That's done. Like this is all done. Mantis. Like that. This iteration, as we know it, is done. Um, some of these characters may return. We don't know which ones, but we're going to get new Guardians and whatever Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4 will be. It'll be all new Guardians. Now, I know Chris Pratt has said, like, I will do this character until the day I die. Like, he wants to do this character for as long as he possibly physically can. Um, we also know that Chris Pratt and Dave Bautista have said that they are ready to film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 early next year. I think it films possibly as early as January of next year in 2019. Um, James Gunn is currently writing it right now. He's very active on Facebook and even, you know, snapping little selfies of himself like, I'm writing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And then people will reply and be like, I can't wait to see it. You know, like that's happening. Like <laughs> these, these moments are happening right now. So, Hold on. Here's the here's everything. If we know that they're coming back for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, does it does it take place before or after Avengers: Infinity War? Now, I think let, someone's already spoke on this. I I know the Russo brothers addressed it, yeah. but they they stepped around it. I'm going to get into their quotes here in a second. Now, the thing that it the thing that Either way, either way you look at this, there is, there's problems. There's problems either way. If it takes place before Avengers Infinity War, we don't have to worry about any of these characters dying. Not a single goddamn one of them. None of them. There's no, there's, we don't have to worry. This is the, and, but hold on. If this is the final iteration of these characters going forward, he says, Volume 3 will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films. Well, I think if if that's true, then it has to be afterwards, right? Because because this iteration of the Guardians, I thought we kind of saw the end of that in Avengers Infinity War. Because the only one that's fucking left is rocket, rocket. Raccoon, a rocket yeah. raccoon unless they all come back unless they all come back and then guardians of the galaxy volume 3 takes place after avengers infinity avengers 4 or whatever cuz this movie does come out after avengers infinity war uh part 2 or avengers 4 so that would then complete their story because we can't really say that if it happens before if it happens before Avengers Infinity War, because I know there's four years between Volume 2 and what we see in Avengers Infinity War. There's four years. So, yes, there's four years of story to tell there. And we know we're getting Adam Warlock in the next movie. Possibly Quasar has been teased. But the thing is, like, if this will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films, to be quite honest with you, a Avengers Infinity War kind of was the movie that would have been, uh, that would have ended this iteration. Not, 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 not volume three. Yeah, I follow that logic and it makes no sense with as much care as James Gunn has for these characters that that would be 
the end of the legacy of this team, right? Like, it's going to be James Gunn that pins that. So I, would, I agree with your logic that it will take place post this. But, but let, 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 me, let me point out the statements here by the Russo brothers. This was uh, this this very thing was addressed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo in an interview that they had with the Huffington Post. Anthony said, don't expect everything to move forward in a linear fashion. Here's the thing. I think it's important to remember anything is possible in the MCU. Just because there's a sequel on the books doesn't mean people become accustomed to time moving linearly in the MCU. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There's a lot of very inventive ways of where the story can go from here. Joe chimed in and said, there's four years between Guardians 2 and Infinity War. That's a long time and a lot of Guardians stories to tell. Again, as Anthony said, don't expect everything to move forward in a linear fashion in the Marvel Universe. I call bullshit. I call bullshit yeah. too. Yeah. It's, they have to say that because they just killed Spider-Man and Black Panther in a movie. Yeah. yeah. They can't reveal their cards. But how boring would that movie be? I mean, because not only did any of the Guardians die, and I'm, and I'm just speculating if this six took place before Infinity War, um, not only did any of them die, but like none of their characters even grew from the second one. Yeah. Um, like nothing changed. And so if you have a movie that takes place before Infinity War, what well, are the stakes and what's going to happen? What changed? Just nothing. What changed from. What changed at the end of Volume 2 was the fact that we've got Star-Lord and Gamora in a relationship now. I guess that's the only thing that developed. And Star-Lord doesn't have – he won't have any – ooh, man, you've got, you've, you've, got, you've got a character that now has to deal with the fact that his m- father murdered his mother. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to discount everything that happened. You know, like, the, the, here's the thing. It's like, if, if it happens before, there's nothing to worry about with any of these characters. We're just going to get a story and Adam Warlock, and we don't have to worry about Adam Warlock doing anything at all to them. None of them are going to die. It's all good. It's all fine. They all are fine. Because, and the reason that I believe that is because, like, we don't, we know that Groot doesn't die because he's still teenage Groot by the time we get to Avengers 4. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like we haven't, you know, they're not talking, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Um, and if it happens afterwards, if this movie happens afterwards and James Gunn is saying this will end the iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of three films, that means that Gamora does come back. Right. Does that mean Jake, Jake, Tristan, does this mean that Gamora comes back? He says volume three will end this iteration of the Guardians and complete the story of the three films. I don't think it necessarily means she comes back or not. I mean, I, I still think she most likely will, but I don't think it's these quotes steal that deal. I, I never thought she was gone. I mean, I, I think that James Gunn just has so much control over those characters, and she's a vital component to that that team dynamic that, that there's no way they would get more of dying Infinity War. I think she's just going to come back at some point. I yeah, never, never yeah. thought that she was gone. But does she die again? Like, that's the thing. Like, oh, die in, in, die in, in three. three. Yeah. Like, Afterwards. oh my, do we have to watch her die fucking again? Like, really? Do we, have, if this ends the iteration, and I'm not saying that she won't come back, but like, it yeah. sounds like one of the, one of them's not going to come back. Like, I think I fully believe that Star Lord will come back. Chris Pratt seems on board. I don't think Marvel wants to let him go. I really, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Like, you know, like, oh, he's going to do Cowboy Ninja Viking. 
I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I know his stocks. I don't think he wants to leave. And I think, I think Marvel realizes like if we're going to lose possibly Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr., we've got to keep some of these guys around. We really do. Like yeah. we've got to shell out some extra money to keep, uh, to keep star, you know, Chris Pratt, uh, you know, in the MCU. And, um, I'm sure it's going to be a revolving door over the years until Kevin Feige hangs it all up. Once Kevin Feige says, I'm done with this, I want to move on. I think like the MCU will kind of wrap it up, you know, like we could be, it could be 25 years of the MCU. We could have 20, 25 years of the MCU posters going up to be quite honest with you. Crazy. By the time this is over with, we could have an adult Tom Holland in his like, you know, uh, creeping up on uh, being 30 years old, leading this universe, guys. Like, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, Kevin Feige says, why does it have to end? It doesn't have to end. So, you know. Well, they have an endless supply of characters, and, and they've proven that they can turn a freaking talking tree that even most comic book fans didn't even know about into a household name. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you even stop? So, But who, who doesn't come back? Like, I, I think it. Gosh, I, I'm having a hard time trying to wrap my head around the fact that they would kill off on screen Gamora two times. Like we have to watch Zoe Saldana die two fucking times, and her not. Coming. I don't think they would have her die two times in, in less than a year. Yeah. Maybe the iteration, maybe the iteration of the team doesn't necessarily have to end with death and despair, right? Maybe they just yeah. I was do thinking what's they best. maybe just go off and do yeah. their own thing or something. Disband, okay. you know, sure. do what's best for them and ah. not be in that kind of business anymore. And then there's still characters in the MCU. We know that there's a greater like plan for more cosmic stuff and they could potentially dot them around in those kind of movies. Yeah. Like, uh, let's say at the end of, uh, volume three or something like that, you know, Drax finds his daughter, Moondragon, and wants to just spend some time with her and not, you know, not not join them on these adventures anymore and shit, you know? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And there's always money to be made by lying, too, by saying that this is the last iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then eight years later, it's not, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's or, it's always or, a good trick. Or, you know, like they lose one member and just add, like, you know, a couple more, you know? And the Russos also said everyone that dies in Infinity War is going to stay dead. We know that's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, we know we know Chadwick Boseman is coming back and playing the Black Panther again. We know, like, you know, like, I, I read an interview this week with, um, it was um, Benedict Cumberbatch. And, you know, he, in so many words, he was saying, yeah, I'm willing to come back and be you know, Stephen Strange and Doctor Strange too, if they want me. He just can't say, yes, I'm coming back. He literally, <laughs> you know what I mean? We know we're getting Doctor Strange too. We have to get Doctor Strange too. People are like, yeah. there, there's a, there's a large fan base of people that want to see like what they're going to do in Doctor Strange too. Like what crazy visuals they're going to give us. We're not having anybody replace Stephen Strange in this universe. Like we're not getting like, if they kill off Hawkeye, we can get Kate Bishop, right? If they kill off, if they kill off Iron Man, we can get somebody to play, we can get Ironheart. I mean, if they kill off, yeah. you know, if they kill off Captain America, we can have, you know, Sebastian Stan fill that role or even Falcon. Falcon, you know, Falcon's done it in the comics. We can have somebody fill the role. Same thing with Black Panther. If they really wanted to, we could have fucking like 
you know, Shuri step into the role or even Nakia step into the role as the Black Panther. It's a little too premature, in my opinion. Yeah, poor Black Panther. He doesn't even get a trilogy like everybody exactly. else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See, that's the thing. But, you know, Doctor Strange, there's nobody. There's nobody taking over the Source of Supreme. Nobody. There's nobody. Yeah, they don't have even a character even, like, close to that you could even, like, pontificate that would take no, that role. No, right, we're, we're getting Doctor Strange, too. These characters are coming back. They're, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just Marvel fucking. Don't expect these movies yeah. to take place in a linear fashion, Brian. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. Like, just don't, yeah, and the whole Spider-Man thing, like, we know that, like, this movie happens right after Avengers 4. We know it. You can't tell me. Oh my god! You can't tell me that Tom Holland's not going to be in this goddamn movie. Do you movie. think they'll have some? Do you think they'll have some bullshit marketing for Spider Man Two, like saying something like "Before the events of Infinity War" or some shit like that? I Jake 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 seems to think that there could be some kind of plan in place. I think that there's no way around it. That you have to. They have to. They have to have Spider Man. You can't have a movie called Spider-Man colon anything and not expect to see Spider-Man in it. It just can't happen. Like, and <laughs> even if you, you don't show him in the fucking trailers and you show Ned, if you get a, the teaser trailer is Ned Leeds sitting in the cafeteria eating tater tots. Like, the movie's still called Spider-Man colon something. Like, Spider-Man's showing up. So, I mean, unless, Unless they really are going to go the Miles Morales route, which they aren't, because we're going to get that into the, we're going to get that into the uh, animated movie. I don't think there's any way around that that Sony is not going to want to fucking like promote this movie. They're going to wait until they're going to wait until dude. There's no way. How can Sony even promote? How can Maybe they? the Spider-Man movie is the one that take is not going to take place in a linear fashion. No, we, we know, know we've we know it's been yeah. They've already told us that this is the movie that shepherds in the next phase of Marvel, and it happens after they've said they've said it happens after Avengers four. Yeah. I know that. I know. I, as you know. soon as I said it, I was like, Darr. I know that. Well, <laughs> I, you feel now. You now you know how I feel after I said that Superman. We've never seen Superman move a planet. <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah, I don't know, Jake. I'm saying like, okay. Oh, I don't even want to get into this discussion again. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a whole cat of worms. Yeah, I mean, I respect what you're saying. Though. Yeah, I know like, you I do. I don't think I don't think you're crazy. No, for what I want, you're saying I, it any dude, means. I would yeah. love to believe you. I would love to believe you. But these are two separate companies here, Sony and the MCU. I would love to believe you that they figured out a clever way to have us believe that maybe Peter Parker's still dead. He's not coming back. But like two months before. The movie comes out. We get Avengers 4. And then we're still going to have – Avengers 4 is still going to be in fucking theaters when Spider-Man comes out, man. It's like it's still gonna, it's still going to be in theaters when Spider-Man comes out. This is a – Yeah, is a, what's the window? I agree. There's, that's, that's, there's going to be a so Spider-Man weird. trailer before Avengers 4. It's gonna, six months. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. I mean, I mean when you're watching Avengers yes. 4, there's going to be a fucking Spider-Man trailer before. There is. Someone oh, had to God. know how bad this timing was though. For, <laughs> for Fahey to tell us like because he made the announcement that it took place – the first movie you know, after the Avengers 3, 4 thing. Yeah. Like he knew back then the timing of it all. It he does, knew back not then. A- how Avengers 3 was going to end. It's not up to Feige. 
this like this uh, this deal when this deal first went down with but then why do it like if there's any word it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when this deal went down like three years ago or whenever it was when the deal went down three years ago they sony wasn't thinking this far ahead or they didn't care like it, it didn't like all there's Sony, it's, it's, it's Amy Pascal. Like, if Amy Pascal really cared, Jake, she would be like, she would line up with this stuff. We would see, we would see a Christmas release for the next Spider-Man movie. But then why fuck with it though? Like, all that happened before they wrote Spider-Man gets dusted at the end of Infinity War. Because Kevin like, Feige, why fuck with it? Like Kevin you, you Feige both, like, yelled at Hopner. I know at how dumb he was for saying Spider-Man was going to die based on that principle. I know. I like, get, I get it. Then why fucking do it? Because like, that's the that's the part that's the because part that Spider-Man did in the moment, in the moment, in the theater for the casual fan, and even for me, it was the most impactful death. Right? You wanted to get that impactful death in there, and we're watching the teenager die. That's why you do it for getting that emotional moment. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I just watched this child die on screen. It's like the moment when we were watching Harry Potter uh, four when fucking Cedric Diggory dies. We were all shocked. And the same thing fucking happened here. It's not, it's about like what they can do to make that movie the best it is in that moment. Oh, we'll work out the shit. The, the other stuff about the release date. <laughs> oh, I don't we'll, think we'll, they're that haphazard. We'll work I, that I, out I, later. I do. I do. I do. I don't think that Kevin Feige's that haphazard, but I think the deal that got done to get super, to get Spider-Man in the universe was done because Kevin Feige's a fan and he knew that when he first went to Amy Pascal and he first gave her the notes and shit, Look up the article on the internet, people. It's true. Amy Pascal says "fuck you" and throws a sandwich in his face. It's true. Amy Pascal. Then is, why? Right? Then why does Spider-Man in the first place? If there's that much tension, more, that's the part that I, it's the most. Jake, I'm going to be honest. It's the most emotional impact in that movie. Like when Mantis is like going away and shit, like people are just like, oh my God, Mantis is, oh my God, I can't believe she's gone. You know, like when Drax is going away, it's like, it's a little sad. But when you see Peter and it's a slow fucking like him turn into ash and shit, it's the most emotional movie, most emotional part in the movie because it's a fucking, it's a teenager and I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. I don't want to go. It's because it's a kid. It's, it's a fucking yeah, I hear you. I Man, hear you. that was a high cost to pay for that little moment, though. I mean, Agreed. It's, it's like a marketing nightmare now. Well, see, the thing, the fucked up thing is, is if you do look up, if you go into Avengers Four, if you do a Google search for Avengers Four photo leaks, there are pictures of Tom Holland in the spider suit on set. Which is fucked up. I, I think that they did it originally as a swerve. So that people wouldn't think that Tom Holland dies in Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Like, it, cause it was still fucking me up when I was like actually looking at these photos just like, you know, a month ago, month or two ago, whenever we were doing our Avengers Infinity War, you know, discussion. So, yeah. I don't know, Jake, uh, it, 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 like, I'm, this has not, like, we know that everybody, everybody's coming back. I just think that, like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts here. Like, but the, even with the Guardians thing, you know, like there's plus and minuses either way. Even if it's a prequel, like we know everybody lives, and if it comes afterwards, you know, we know yeah, that. I'll just be hugely disappointed if it if it's 
like, ugh. They're just like, oh, okay, fuck it. Who, emotional impact gone before you even see Avengers 4. Here's this fucking Spider-Man 2 trailer. Well, like, that just sounds like the dumbest shit ever to me. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. How do you fix that? There's no way. Either way you look at it, Jake, there's no way they can fix that. They have boxed themselves into a problem here. We know that Chris Pratt comes back before. We know that Chris Pratt and Dave Bautista are coming back to film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They've said it. We know it. So if it happens yeah. after, if it, if the events of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three happen after Avengers Four, we know that they come back. They're deathmen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you see that kind of shit in all of these comics. Like that happens in every comic book movie. We're always three ahead of what we know is coming out. But yeah, but I, see, the thing is, it's knowing like, someone's going to stay alive to me is a little bit different than like ruining someone coming back to life. Like, well, they're both dead. The, it's the same situation. Star Lord died. He went. He turned. Oh, into the Star Lord dust. dusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Star Lord turned we're, into we're, dust. Dave uh, Drax turned into dust. This is the exact same situation. If if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three takes place after the events of Avengers Four, or even Avengers Infinity War, we know that these guys come back. Yeah, but we're not going to see a Guardians 3 trailer until after Avengers 4 comes out. I know. It's just, I, ex- I know. I know. I, yeah, yeah, the timing The timing's completely different because Marvel's kind of like, Marvel knows what they're doing as far as, like, releasing these trailers. Sony, on the other hand, does not give a fuck, and they want the summer release, dude. They want that summer July release. They want that July release. And you can't tell they can't, they're not going to wait to like fucking throw Spider Man in a fucking trailer. There's no way this movie this movie comes out two and a half uh, months after Avengers four and Spider Man Homecoming. We got our first trailer six months before the movie came out, and I don't think that Sony's going to be like, yeah, we'll wait on that. We'll be, and like, when do you when do you re- release that first trailer? Because you don't want to like just because it's like we're two mu- two and a half months away doesn't mean like the day after Invi- Avengers: Infinity War drops in theaters that they're just going to throw out the fact that yeah Tom Holland's back no like like when is Marvel going to be happy with them releasing that trailer like it's just I think that it's just inevitable that we're going to see Tom Holland in trailers before Avengers 4 even comes out. It's just inevitable. Like, they might try to mask it that this happens before the events of Avengers Infinity War, but this, we already know as fans that this is, like, what brings in, like, Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I don't, this is just, it's just kind of a weird situation. I, I don't, I think, like, Kevin Feige... Kevin Feige had the best of intentions when he made the deal with Sony. He really did. But I think it's 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 Amy Pascal and the people at Sony that just see dollar signs and don't give a shit about the vision. You guys there? And I lost him. I've been talking to myself this entire fucking time. I lost everybody. We'll be right back. All right, hey, we are back. We had some technical difficulties there. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna or, uh, Marvel talk aside. Yeah, the some shit's fucked up. We don't know what's going on in Marvel. All right, so, <laughs> we're gonna move on into DC. News. DC. Last night, 
That man destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, Jeff Johns has stepped down now as the uh, DC's chief creative officer. And Jim Lee is going to fill that role. Johns said, I took on a role at DCE because I love the characters in this universe more than anything. But I want to spend my days writing and uh, writing on set. I'm thrilled to get back to a more hands-on creative role. It's a dream job on dream projects, reaching even deeper into DC's vast pantheon of characters. So, sounds like, to me, that's a nice way of saying that DC is kind of like, well, let's have you write in comic books and we're going to bring somebody else in here because shit's got to change around here. We've got Walter Hamada as the, uh, the new, uh, you know, head of DC Warner Brothers. And I think it's kind of the changing of the guard here. So they're just doing some new stuff here. Yeah. Jim Lee's a good pick too. I think Jim Lee's got a handle on this kind of thing. I mean, he's an image founder and, He's been in a high-profile position in D.C. for quite a while, as is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Johns is going to be involved in the Green Lantern Corps film and will be a producer and screenwriter for it. And he'll be more hands-on in this one than he actually was in the uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern. He was kind of basically just a hype man for that, right? I hope so. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> even if he wasn't, I don't think he'd want to admit it now. Yeah. How do you feel that movie's going to perform? I mean, even if it's awesome, I mean, Deadpool has made Green Lantern a punchline. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like even, even people that didn't see the movie know it's a terrible movie just because Green Lantern this, Green Lantern that, yeah. butt of every joke. Oh, man. Yeah, it, I think that's why they're trying to uh, not just have it be like Green Lantern, but also just call it a Green Lantern core film. And then, like, mm. we're going to have House. Mm. How, you know, how Jordan and, uh, John Stewart in the film. The concept sounds good. I mean, you know, if they have a buddy film, a buddy cop film type thing. Yeah. You know, it could work. And, but I just think the name, you know, Green Lantern Corps, it's like, it's been the butt of, of comic book jokes for the last five or six years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They gotta make a good movie. If they make a good movie, we'll forget it, you know? When, when, yeah. did, when did the movie come out? 2010, 2011? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 we're not going to get this movie. It's not on the schedule till 2020. So, you know, they're waiting a good decade for this to kind of die down. Of course, Ryan Reynolds not going to let it die. And I cannot wait to see his tweets once this movie goes into production and we start getting <laughs> some pictures uh, of uh, you know uh, concept art and and the first pictures coming out of the film. I can't wait to see what Ryan Reynolds has to say about this. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> And I think Ryan Reynolds, at the end of the day, would want a Green Lantern movie to succeed, too. I wouldn't be surprised for massive ribbing on his end, but also kind of, you know, in his own way, support for the film. Oh, man, if the movie blows up and it does, like, let's say it does gangbusters in the box office, Ryan Reynolds is going to be the first celebrity to fucking tweet them and congratulate them on it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the way I feel about it. I think he's a great sport when it comes to it. and. He's definitely going to poke a lot of fun, and I wouldn't want it any other way. But I don't think he's going to maliciously trying to ruin this movie's chances at anything. The thing is, like, I, I really, I, I, I endorse the move that they take Jeff Johns out of this role, and because he's not Kevin Feige, 
we've learned that he's not Kevin Feige. He's not like the guy that can be like the chief creative officer. But on the flip side, like Jake, I, I agree what you're saying about Jim Lee, but like, can he do that with this? I feel like Jim Lee is a placeholder. Honestly, yeah. I was definitely going to get to that. I, right. He, he's a, a great guy just to put there. They'll, they'll get it figured out. Right. Yeah. I, I would hope so. So it's interesting. I, what is John's going to do? Is he going to be involved with just the Green Lantern core no, and none no, of the no, comic no. stuff anymore? He's going to be he's going to be doing comics, of course, and then he'll be an executive producer on Titans. And he's actually writing an episode for Doom Patrol. That those are shows that are going to be on the DC Universe streaming service. It's expected to launch. They said in August. So he's he's going to be doing things for the TV side, and uh, definitely highly involved. From what I'm hearing, he's highly involved in the Green Lantern Corps movie because, like, his run on Green Lantern is legendary, and um, he's going to be more hands-on in this version of Green Lantern than he was in the Ryan Reynolds, is what I'm hearing. That's interesting. Yeah, and I guess Jim Lee, Jim Lee is a name you can kind of sell too, right? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like, maybe not everyone knows who he is, but way more fucking people know who he is than know who Jeff Johns is. You know, behind like people have fond memories of Jim Lee for the last twenty years. Yeah, and that's, that's stuck true. with people. So maybe that's kind of what they're thinking here. Yeah, uh, what was it like? You know, like Walter Hamada has come in here as like their new like head of Warner Brothers. You know, like the president or whatever and shit. Like they, what is it? Diane? Was it Diane Nelson? I'm trying to remember her name, but she's been she was on leave for a while and then. It's not like she really was on leave. They were just looking for a replacement, and they got Walter Hamada. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if, how, how I how I feel about Walter Hamada. He he's done some. I mean he he has resurrected some other you know studios. He's built studios before, so we'll see what he can do here. It's just like I don't know how much trust I have in the guy when they've got like six different possible products uh, projects for Joker being in movies and three or four different Harley Quinn projects when they don't know if they're going to have Penguin be the lead villain in a Birds of Prey movie or possibly in the Batman movie. It just seems like they're still like all over the place when it comes to like how ambitious they are with like some of these movies and, and what they're planning for the future. And like this whole DC origins line or DC dark or DC black or whatever they're calling it. That's going to be like, you know, it'll be ushered in by like the Joaquin Phoenix film. I don't know. It seems like they, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I, I, there's some stuff that I am, I am hopeful for over at DC and I wouldn't get into that, but, um, let's jump into the rumors of Ben Affleck leaving the role of Batman. Um, these rumors came out this week from deadline and they said there is an opportunity for Toby Emmerich to really reshuffle the executive deck on the feature side and turn DC into something more formidable than it is right now. Even as James Wan directed Aquaman is coming and Wonder Woman 2 is in production with Matt Reeves rebooting Batman for a new standalone franchise, likely with a new actor to play the Cape Crusader after Ben Affleck's stints in Batman v Superman and Justice League. So... THR had an article that went on to talk about Batman as well as all these changes with DC, such as, you know, Walter Hamada 
as the new president of DC Entertainment and their upcoming slate of films. This is interesting. Um, THR says, with the recent departures at DC, the studio said June 6th that Diane Nelson, who's been on leave, is not returning as president, and the Hollywood Reporter revealed June 11th that top exec Jeff Johns is moving into a producing pact. Hamada is even more firmly in charge of of, of the film reigns. Um, the exec who successfully oversaw the Conjuring movies at New Line inherited a slate in disarray and has quietly spent months sorting through projects. Quote, he walked into a shit show and he's trying to clean it up, says one insider familiar with the scene. In the wake of Wonder Woman's surprise 80, $821.8 million worldwide gross and Justice League's disappointing $657.9 million last year, Warner Brothers plans needed uh, a reset, according to insiders. Hamada has spent months going over the projects and development, calling certain ones, elevating others, keeping an eye on the big marquee heroes, while also developing lesser-known characters that could pop big. This year... There's only one DC movie on the schedule, Aquaman, James Wan's take on the hero that stars Jason Momoa and opens December 21st. Um, did you guys happen to see the, let's talk about Aquaman here real quick before I get back to the article, but did you guys happen to see the Entertainment Weekly photos that came out this week for Aquaman? I did. I did. I'll be honest with you, the Black Mana mask looks dead on. It looks fantastic. It looks legit, yeah. It looks legit. Yeah, that was super cool. But we don't see, like, him in the costume, right? Like, hopefully that isn't an Easter egg. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't think it is. I think I think it's going to be a part of the movie. I don't think that Black Manta – I'll get into this. Black Manta is not going to be the big bad in this film. I think they're building him to something else, kind of like – the first Doctor Strange movie where we got a little bit of um, of uh, Baron Mordo, but he's going to be leading into like the next film's villain possibly. And the big bad of the first film was like, you know, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Caecilius. And then finally Dormammu. And I think Black Manta is going to be kind of like a side kind of villain in the um, – Aquaman film, and then King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, is going to be our big bad in the Aquaman so film. So you're saying they're going to Ulysses claw him? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, we all, yeah, we know, well, he wasn't even the big bad in Black Panther, but um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We, we also we found out that we're going to get the trailer for Aquaman that's going to release during San Diego Comic Con, but. Um, James Wan confirmed how the characters will talk in the movie. I want to talk about this, and I want to talk about the villains. James Wan confirmed how the characters will talk in the movie while underwater. He talked. He told Entertainment Weekly, people are overthinking it. They're just going to talk. So he's basically saying, like, they're going to be in the water, and they're just going to talk. And he's saying people are overthinking it. And I don't think that we were overthinking it, James. Like, Joss Whedon showed us in... The Justice League film, how Mira and Aquaman talked, they talked in fucking air bubbles. So, like, <laughs> I, I think we had a legit reason to kind of worry here that every time a character talks, that the water is going to, like, either, like, 
drain out of the room that they're in or we're going to get some bullshit air bubble. So I think like I'm glad he addressed it. But the fact that he said that people are overthinking it, I think we had 100 percent legit fears going into this. I'm very glad, though, that it's just Little Mermaid rules now. Like, that's the way to go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to like, no, the science doesn't work. You know, I'm fine with it. I'm going to enjoy the movie a lot more if they're just talking talking and and acting and not doing stupid special effects shit. Right. So um, Juan did talk to Entertainment Weekly, and he said this, which was also encouraging – Quote, the water world my movie takes place in is so separate and so far apart from the previous DC movies. It's like I'm making my own sci-fi fantasy film. This is a whole new underwater world nobody has seen before in live action. So it feels like to me like James Wan and DC Warner Brothers kind of like took a page from Wonder Woman here. And they're going to let James Wan do his thing without a ton of studio involvement. And without hopefully a ton of like threads leading into future DC projects, as far as like the DCEU is concerned, I hope not. I, I think they do better when they just have isolated stories. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's been proven, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the same interview, it also feels like Black Mana won't be a one and done character. I kind of talked about this earlier. And that the main villain in the film is actually going to be Patrick Wilson's King Orm. James Wan said, Black Manta is a really interesting character who is somehow factored into this story. But our main story is about Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson's King Orm. So the thinking here is that, you know, Arthur Curry Aquaman has been gone for a while. And, you know, we we saw, like, what he was doing in Justice League. He was, like, helping out, like, these fishermen and shit like that, bringing them bringing them fish and, and helping them and, you know, just live and survive. And while he's gone, his half-brother Orm is going to be the king of Atlantis. And then when Arthur does make the move to return to Atlantis, maybe they think he's dead. I don't know. I don't know what they think about him at this when he comes back, but this kind of causes like some problems, and they're going to have to battle it out. It's it's a it's a little bit of Black Panther, kind of like with Killmonger showing up out of nowhere and they, them not knowing about his existence. But in this case, you know, Arthur does have a right to the throne, and so we also know that there's a a potential battle between the surface, you know, surface dwellers, us on Earth. And Atlantis that Arthur's actually trying to stop as well. So that'll be a big part of this. I'm sure, like, there's going to be, like, there might be some politics involved in this one, guys. I don't know. That's Maybe that's not interesting. Maybe it could be interesting. Um, You know, maybe some of the advisors in Atlantis are like, yes, we need to wage war. And they side with King Orm. Yeah, we need to wage war on the surface dwellers. Like, look, look what they've done. Like, you know, we, we, they've seen the destruction on Earth, and it's going to affect them, and it's going to affect the ocean. This might be another environmental movie. This might be another, like, Avatar, where it gets into environmentalism, for all we know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be Arthur probably trying to stop this. This wo- Patrick Wilson talked about this a little bit, about um, King Orm, and said, and this, this is why I 
kind of come to my conclusion on what I'm thinking is he's Patrick Wilson says he's kind of an eco warrior. He's got a very clear gripe with the surface world, which has been polluting his oceans for centuries. And that's something for me, I'm sure for you too, that's very easy to understand. If somebody was just constantly polluting our air and ruining how we lived. And so, yeah, he's in the ocean. We've been polluting the ocean. I mean, you know, I mean, think about all the, the, you know, the Exxon Valdez and the oil rigs and all these things that have been happening. And so I think we're going to get into some of that going into this movie as well. Yeah, I'm excited to see this this Aquaman trailer. I, I think it sounds like they got, you know, quite an interesting plot and I think it could be pretty visually stunning so Mm -hmm. hopefully this is a good movie hopefully this is more along the lines of the Wonder Woman and less along the lines of the the Suicide Squad and the Batman vs. Superman yeah I'm hopeful for it too I really am hopeful for it it's one of those things where like we'll wait it's it's a wait and see I'm hopeful for it Uh, the footage that was shown at CinemaCon was shown to critics and they really thought it was pretty outstanding what they saw you know and and what's amazing about like what they were saying about the footage at CinemaCon is that it's not all just underwater it takes place all over the globe like this is going to span not just it's not we're just not just going to get an underwater film like this happens all over the world there's a lot of different sets but Tristan what are you thinking on this like are your hopes high or is it just like has the DCEU just burnt you out or I mean for all I know, you've been a fan of all of these movies. Yeah, well, you know, I've been a DC fan my entire life, but I'm one of those people who's definitely been disappointed by the DCU films. Um, you know, aside from Man of Steel and Wonder Woman, I really don't give a shit about the other ones. Um, so um, when it comes to Aquaman, I'm pretty sure this is going to be positioned as the game changer. Um, it has to be. Um, because if this movie falls on its face, I mean, where else do they go from here? Well, they, besides, they, I mean, they're, besides they're, just having a Wonder Woman trilogy, you know, yeah. I mean, there's not, I mean, the faith is already lost after, after Justice League. The fact that you couldn't get people to come out to yeah. what was supposed to be your biggest movie. Um, who the fuck's going to show up to an Aquaman movie unless it's <laughs> just mind numbingly good? as far as the marketing is concerned. Yeah. I mean, we know we're getting a Shazam film. Like, that's, like, they're filming that currently. So we know we are getting that. And that film feels like it's a different tone. And I don't know how that fits in the overall DCEU. I guess it's a part of it, but I don't know. Yeah. I hope it's good, you know? And they're just very reactionary. And, and, and the problem is that they're being reactionary as they're developing. And mm-hmm. that's causing just a bunch of chaos like they're making some of the right changes but it's while they're in the middle of production and and you know i i worry that that aquaman might be another casualty of that maybe they're making the right decisions but maybe it came a little too late yeah god damn it i i want aquaman to be good i really do like everything like i you know we've it's been a punchline in the past on this show but Everything that I'm hearing about it kind of has me hopeful, um, but it's one of those things where I guess we have seen the Suicide Squad trailers and we were hopeful about that, and then when we finally got the movie, it was is a huge letdown. But on the flip side, like I loved Wonder Woman; I thought Wonder Woman was absolutely fantastic. So I, I'm hoping that with them saying like this is a 
with James Wan saying like this is a departure and this feels like a completely different world from everything we've seen before that Warner Brothers just kind of like yeah let's just let this talented director do what the fuck he does and let him. Well, that's work. that's the X factor because I, I don't have any doubt in James Wan. Yeah, um, yeah. But I just I just don't know how much studio involvement there is. Exactly. And it feels like the. It, hold on. Let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this historically, and it, let's take a look at it from what we're hearing. Uh, the Flash movie was originally going to be Flash Flashpoint, right? Now they're saying it's not. So it looks like the studio's kind of t- kind of backing off and just saying, "Hey, we've got John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein doing this movie for us, this Flash movie for us. Let's not make them adapt the Flashpoint story. Let's just let them do their own fucking movie." Um, the article talks about how the Flash movie they're looking at Back to the Future being a touchstone for this film. And yeah, so as well, it should be. That, well, Jake, don't, don't make it a mess. Don't make it fix your mess and be a mess. They were originally targeting Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, for this film. Oh, I, I remember. I I wanted that. <laughs> so, you know, like I I have hope. I have hope, and um, I think Ezra Miller's still talented, even though I didn't really like love. You know his appearances in the Justice League. You know I. There's stuff that I did like about it. There's stuff that was fun about it, but there's stuff that I didn't really care for in it. You know, I, it didn't feel like the Barry Allen that I know. But um, we'll see. We'll see what uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein when they did uh, Game Night. They that that's it's a, it's a, it's directed very well, and it has its own vision, and it's it's stylistic, and it's cool, and it's. And they wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, guys. And I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie, but, like, a lot of our listeners were. A lot of our listeners love that movie, Jake. Yeah. Yeah, I I have hope. I mean, I just recently saw Game Night, and it definitely was filmed very well. Like, mm-hmm. for just a comedy movie, it, it went above and beyond on, like, direction and cinematography. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought, it, I don't know. Like, I've heard some people say, it's ah, it's okay, but for me, it was, like the funny i i watched it twice in theaters and i fucking loved it it worked for me but um the article then goes on to talk about we'll get back to batman here the big question mark going forward is the future of batman writer director matt reeves turned in the first act of a new screenplay during the memorial day weekend it's said to focus on a young caped crusader and while the studio would not comment it's unlikely that ben affleck who played Batman in three features will again don the cow. Now, my question to you, Jake, is, is this Matt Reeves movie? Is it part of the DCEU or is this going to be part of like the DC dark or DC black or DC origins, whatever the fuck mm. they are going to call it? I think it will be part of the DCEU. I think that's, what they kind of hired Matt Reeves to do. Like they want, they want both. They're like, I think they're going to let him dip his toes in the DCEU. Right. And just do kind of a solo movie. I I don't think they even want to make this if it's the origins thing. Right. Well, hold on. Let me throw this out there for you. Ah, I know we're only going to get Joaquin Phoenix for the one movie, but are they holding out hope that they can get a young actor in here to play a Batman, younger Batman film? Like, let's say maybe they're going to do, like, Batman Year One or whatever, okay? 
and they do this young Batman story, and then they're going to hold out hope that they can. I don't know. What, oh God! Now I'm just now I'm just making shit up. Like like like. Yeah, I mean the, the, they've never been able to keep that together before in any yeah. series of Batman movies, and this seems even looser than that, right? But see, the thing is that what makes me upset is the fact that let's say we get this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, and it does live up to our expectations. Like I think it sounds crazy. I think it sounds crazy, but like. You know, Joaquin Phoenix is like, he's an amazing actor. Let's see what he can do with this. But like, wouldn't it be, it's sad that like, he does this one and done, and we're never gonna see like this version of the Joker ever go up against Batman? Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. It's like twice, yeah, it's like every time we get a cool Joker, we only get one movie. So, you know, Nicholson, Ledger, and now Phoenix potentially. The shitty Jokers, we get extra movies. I don't know. Just the fact that they're planning simultaneously two Joker movies just tells me that they don't know what the fuck they're doing right now. <laughs> Double the Joker, man. Double the Joker. Double the fun. Double the yeah. fun. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Two Joker movies. I want to see how they, like, how they market, like, this. And we still can't get a fucking Man of Steel 2. <laughs> <laughs> Two Joker movies. A Batman. Oh, shit. Do I have news for you on that? Guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slide down here in my notes. I was saving this for later. But, uh, Zack Snyder was contacted by a fan on Vero. Zack Snyder is, like, so active on Vero. Like, he's not doing anything on Twitter or Instagram or shit, but, oh, my God, he... I don't know what Vero did with Zack Snyder, but, my God, that, this guy is all <laughs> over Vero. Like, Vero is the red-headed stepchild of social media. It's pretty crappy. But snacks, Zack Snyder is, like, all over this shit. Uh... Uh, the fan contacted Zack Snyder on Vero and asked this question, uh, quote, was the doomsday in Batman v Superman the original doomsday? I know there was an Easter egg in the Man of Steel DVD that said, be aware of Burton's curse. I was curious and I wanted to know what doomsday actually was created. Be if this doomsday was actually created before, if there was a doomsday created before the Zod doomsday, if that was a different one from the one the scientist Burton created, so basically this this um, this Vero user is asking the Doomsday that we saw in Batman v Superman is this the original Doomsday or was this just the Zod Doomsday? Was there a different Doomsday that was created from uh, from from the science from the the scientist Burton? And Snyder replied, yes, the real Doomsday is still out there. Mm. Um, That's inter it's interesting. And I, and you can say to yourself, well, Snyder's not involved in the uh, DC uh, EU anymore. That's not true, people. Snyder is, he's definitely, he's going to be, He's going to be an executive producer on Wonder Woman too. Like that's as far as I know, that's been confirmed. Like the last report that I read, Zack Snyder is still going to be listed as an executive producer on Wonder Woman two. It's not like he's been one hundred percent pushed out of the DCEU at this point, which you kind of think that he would be with some of the statements that he's been making recently on social media. 
you know, like kind of. <laughs> no one pays attention to where he's well, saying it, though. It, people will say stuff like, you know, like, you know, was there more in the Snyder cut? And people making statements on the Snyder cut and shit like that. And then Snyder himself will like like these posts on social media and it gets people talking like, oh, my God, there's there's a whole Snyder cut that's out there, like a full version of the Snyder cut that's available and stuff like that. And like it makes you wonder. But, um, yeah, apparently there's a uh, there's an original doomsday that's out there. And, uh, yeah, you're talking about Tristan, you're talking about Man of Steel, too, like, you know, like. There might be an, we, we still might get an actual doomsday story here. So there's a work. Do you care still though? I know. I mean, even, they kind of blew it, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> they fucked up. <laughs> they blew, blew their wad doomsday. with the doomsday yeah, thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't. It's over. Have, they shouldn't have done that. They really shouldn't have done that. But I just thought that that was an interesting thing that. You know, I, I remember. It just makes me so angry, though. I mean, Doesn't that it? Movie, Batman v Superman. They just packed so much shit in there. Why couldn't they just turn? Uh, why couldn't they just turn Zod into a monster? His body and just leave that yeah. out completely. Just have it Batman versus Superman. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we all wanted to see. Is like these two these two heavyweights go after each other. We want to see the detective versus the 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 immortal man, right? I mean, that's what we wanted to see. Yeah, and they throw Wonder Woman in there, and they have that ridiculous scene with the fucking laptop. We got Lex. Where everyone, we got yeah, Lex. Where everyone has to fucking cameo and uh, the rest of the Justice League cameos in the laptop. Yeah. I mean, why would you blow your wad on the death of Superman story in his second movie? Terrible. Oh god, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind just, you, man. Just thinking out loud here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I want to talk, let's talk about, you guys want to talk about, uh, Wonder Woman 2, which is now officially titled Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I really am. Patty Jenkins blew me away with the first fucking film. According to the official press release, the film will fast forward to the 1980s as Wonder Woman's next big screen adventure finds her facing an all new foe, the Cheetah. Kristen Wiig is, uh, gonna play the Cheetah. And uh, we know pa- Pedro Pascal is in this movie, and he he might play. We don't know. They're, they're thinking he might play Sebastian ba- Ballesteros, which is the male version of the cheetah. But we don't know exactly who Pedro Pascal is going to play. The actor from yeah. actor from Narcos, and he was also in the second Kingsman film. Um, the film has entered production, and we do know that Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine, is now going to be in the film. This was. Confirmed by both Jenkins and Warner Brothers, with Jenkins actually releasing a photo of Chris Pine playing Trevor in the film. But again, this was also in the press release. It was confirmed in the press release as well from Warner Brothers that he will return. We heard this rumor. We actually heard this rumor after the first movie came out, Jake, and we hated it. We hated the rumor that he was going to come back. We thought the, the death was impactful and it should have been final. And now we're getting pictures of him coming back. Here we are a, le- a year later, and it's actually happening. So um, I also want to point out, like, people are going to be like, well, maybe the maybe the photo of Chris Pine is a flashback. No, he's, it's not. He's The picture of him is in a mall set in the 1980s. So I, I don't want to hear, like, could this possibly be a flashback? Like, no. Twin it, brother. Could you possibly take 10 seconds to look at the fucking picture 
and come to the same conclusion that I did that he's actually he's in a mall with people that are dressed according to the time. Jake, it's not I don't as, know. It's it not, definitely looked like a fish out of water thing for me. It's not as I don't yeah, a fish out of water thing. exactly. It's 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 uh in one of the pictures he's got another picture where he's wearing a fanny pack, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Fanny but, packs. But um It's crazy both our superhero um women movies are both eighties movies with Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman now. Yeah. Captain Marvel's nineties though, right? Captain Marvel's nineties. Yeah. Oh nineties, my apologies. Yeah. Um let's see here. So yeah, uh what's that noise? What is going on? Somebody I don't know. Not me. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it is me. I think Hold it, on, let me fuck with my cord for a second. I think it is me. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that it was me or not. It didn't that well, didn't it, seem it, to do anything. It's not happening right now, but it was uh I hated it when it was happening. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I wasn't a fan either. I, I could hear it too. I was just like, uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Whatever it is, not a big fan of like what's going on here right now. That noise. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, let's see here. So, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Trevor's coming back. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, what the I fuck? That it. noise. God damn it. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's me. Knock I don't it know off. What's going on? Knock it off. Stop moving. Whoever's doing it, knock it off. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> I'm afraid to breathe right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frozen. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Whatever. I was just... Oh man. Um. Yes, I still hate it. I still hate that Steve Trevor's coming back. All right. It's still stupid. Um, hopefully, Patty Jenkins like has some some way to right. make me not hate this idea. So we'll see what happens. We'll Maybe talk. a trailer or yeah. more news will kind of expose like what the real story is here. I hope it's something other than just he's alive somehow. No, 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 no. No, um, it was. Uh, I'll talk about what. What, what do you, I'll talk about like. Uh, I don't. I don't have an answer for you guys, but I'll talk a little bit about this here in a moment. Tristan, what do you think, man? It makes a little bit more sense because I mean they spent what like a week together in the '40s, and she's still thinking about this guy in the present day. Yeah, like it makes more sense that he's in her life more. Um, but yeah, just think from a narrative standpoint, it kind of sucks because that death, the impact of that death, and the first one is taken away. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, he, how? Okay, I think it's Steve Trevor. I don't think it's a relative. I don't think it's. I think it's. Is it a clone? Like, what? Is it a? Uh, does she? Does she find a way? For, does she speak to the gods and have the gods bring him back? Like, how does this? I mean, he died in nineteen eighteen. All right. So like how does he come back? Is it, 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 does she find a way to cheat time? And mm. does that come back? Maybe Cheetah, maybe Cheetah creates him somehow to fuck with her. 
It doesn't. Okay. You yeah, no, you're right. Cheetah works with magic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like maybe but I think if you make some. But I think if you bring back Chris Pine, you're going to have to bring back the essence of that character he was in the first film and not some like robotic clone. It, so, yeah, okay, hold on. Here we go. I, I think you're right, but in a way, let me, okay. In Justice League, let me, let me throw this out there and then I want to get you guys thoughts on this. Let me present this. Whatever it, whatever way he comes back, I don't think it works out. In the Justice League film, Bruce Wayne and Diana are arguing over bringing Superman back from the dead. And Diana says, at some point, even you have to learn to move on. Bruce then says, Steve Trevor tell you that? And after he says that, she shoves him into a pile of crates. It like, it pisses her off. I think that that has a lot to say about what happens in this next Wonder Woman movie. Steve Trevor tell you that? It sounds like she loves him so much she finds a way to bring him back. But it doesn't work out. Because Bruce says here, at some point, even you have to learn to move on. She says, at some point... Even you have to learn to move on. And then Bruce says, Steve Trevor tell you that? Like, he knows the story. It happened in 1984. It happened, like, over 30 years ago. He know he knows the story of Steve Trevor coming back in the 80s and how it didn't work out. And he's throwing that in her face. And it pisses her off in the moment because, you know, he's they're trying to bring Superman back. And she's saying... I don't know. I, it, 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 it may, I don't, I'm not trying to like say like Justice League is like this smart movie, but I feel like this is smart writing if this turns out to be true. Yeah, she's good on Patty Jenkins if she's able to connect Justice League and make it a little bit better and foreshadowing <laughs> stuff going on. Yeah. Like she's, no one's asking that of her. That's right. above and beyond. Yeah. What do you think, Tristan? I mean, yeah, you're definitely I mean, making. You're definitely making stuff like that. I mean, that, that's pretty cool, you yeah. know, because it did. I kind of remember that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Just the idea of bringing Steve Trevor back uh, just seems like a a cheap way to bring back an A-list celebrity from the first film. All right. Well, think about it. Think about it in this way. Okay. Think about it. Uh, you're definitely making that fucking noise. Yeah. He, he, Tristan, you're, you're, you're the Orville Redenbacher here. Like what, what are you doing? Are you like, are you, I'm, I'm just sitting here on a chair. Oh my God. Talking. Like, it sounds like, it sounds like, what you does are, it sound like? It sounds Rice like Krispies loud. Really? It sounds like you are rolling your body in a pasture. <laughs> Really? Yes. It didn't hear that before? No. It just started like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, it started 15 minutes ago. Like, I don't know what you were doing differently, but it's almost like, uh, it's, it's, it's like you were just, you were tumbling down a hill. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what it could be. You're fine now, but my God, like our listeners on the flip side are just be like, ah, don't bring back that Tristan guy. It sounds, it sounds like uh, he's falling downstairs. Hey, did you have, have you guys started Staircase, the Staircase on Netflix? No. Tristan, have you started the Staircase? Staircase, no. Okay, it's a. Uh, I, I forgot to bring something good. Pop, pop, pop. 
Uh, it's a, it's a new Netflix series. I watched the first episode in like 15 minutes of the second episode. It's kind of like one of these making a murder documentaries. And it's about this guy who's an author and, uh, him and his wife are like out by the pool and shit and they're drinking and having a good time. They're supposed to be the perfect couple and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, she goes, she's like, Hey, I'm going to go in the house. And he's like, all right, baby. And, uh, she walks into the house and then she so drunk she falls down the stairs and ends up like all these like all these fucking like lacerations in her head and she's bleeding all over the fucking place like there's blood all over the wall all these lacerations in her head and he ends up going in the house and she ends up dying in her arms and there's like this whole like thing where like the blood had been dried on the walls for like a long time before like the you know the um uh the ambulance came and so there's this whole conspiracy like did he like beat her and then like throw her down the stairs and oh. dude it's it's crazy i don't know it's like a 10 part documentary and shit and i barely started it but i had uh rebecca daling and scott shooty both text me out of the blue and they're like are you watching the staircase and i'm like uh, i haven't started it yet and i just started it today and it's pretty fucking fascinating like the first episode is like okay wow this is crazy like i don't know what to believe and then the second episode it's called like um secrets and lies and it, like you start finding out like lies about this guy who you like they portrayed as perfect and shit like that. it's crazy yeah the staircase on netflix i highly recommend watching it because it looks fucked up but it's uh, <laughs> awesome anyway um yeah uh oh uh i was going to talk about how how they could make this kind of like interesting and the angle that i'm hearing that i kind of like when I hear about if if we do have to have Steve Trevor come back, is that Diana, who's lived in our world now, you know, she left Themyscira. She's living in our world now. It's been, you know, 1918 to 1984. She's been living like in Paris and shit like that. She's lived in our world for, world for a long time now. She's familiar with the 80s and 80s culture and culture in America in that time. So now she's the one who has to teach Steve Trevor about the future. So, you know, just like in Wonder Woman, like where, you know, like Steve Trevor is trying to like help Diana live in our civilization and like put her in pretty dresses and feed her ice cream for the first time. Now you've got Steve Trevor who's like wearing a fanny pack in a mall and trying, he doesn't even know where the fucking mall is, you know? Like, there's, like, I remember, you know, and what was funny about that is, like, the picture that they took, he was, like, right next to a ice cream. Um, oh, that is funny. And ice, yeah, exactly. You see, I think that it's kind of, like, you see what I'm saying, Jake? Yeah, it, I think it's going to take me a little bit while to get past it if we have to phase of all of this. But yeah. Yeah, if I force my two, I, I, I like what you're saying. I think that's fun to kind of roll reversal on the who's teaching who, how kind of things go. Yeah. Just look at the, look at the picture of Steve Trevor and to the left, the upper left corner, you can see, um, uh, a sign inside of the mall and it's like a, it's a sign of an ice cream shop inside of the mall. And I think they're basically Patty Jenkins is trying to say like, this is, 
this is the same thing, like with Wonder Woman eating ice cream in the first movie, and it was kind of like her first experience of that. Like she's trying to line this up that like like now Steve Trevor is the fish out of water, and this is his ice cream moment, like living in the 1980s with all the electronics and the fashion and the and the malls and stuff like that. So I think that can be kind of fun to explore. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how Wonder Woman brings Steve back because I feel like it's going to be Wonder Woman bringing him back somehow, either through the gods or trying to cheat time or something. I feel like I agree, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it yeah. makes more sense. I, I Tristan kind of sold it to you. He was like, "Oh, I don't want to see him be a brain dead robot." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Why even have him back if he's just going to be there, you know?" Kill Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Trevernator. Um, yes. Let's move on into Star Wars news. Star Wars news. That was, yeah, that's my bumper for that. Um, news. <laughs> news what came. What's Misa saying? What's a Misa saying? <laughs> um, news came out this week on, uh, what George Lucas' Star Wars episodes seven through nine. <laughs> Did you hear about this, Jake? Yeah. 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 Oh, what? my God. What a bullet dodged. Wow. Thank you. I don't know. I want to see this shit. The fucking Star Wars interspace microbiotic movie. Oh, Bring God. It on. From, uh, <laughs> from Inside Editions, a companion book to James Cameron's story of science fiction series on AMC, it was revealed that, quote, James – this is this is what George Lucas said. The next three Star Wars films – we're going, and this is if if, if uh, George Lucas was going to do the next three, the next three Star Wars films were going to get into a microbiotic world, but there's this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the Wills, and the Wills are the ones who control the universe. They feed off the Force. If I'd held on to the company, I could have done it, and then it would have been done. And of course, a lot of fans would have hated it, just like they did Phantom Menace and everything, but at least the whole story from beginning to end would have been told. So, uh, Jake, we know that, uh, we knew like from the get go, like star Wars was in George Lucas's mind. It was being written by the wills and it was called the journal of the wills. And like the star Wars were these sagas that they were writing down. And I guess this yeah. is where the story would have gone. It would have actually led up to the Wills and, you know, the midichlorians drop that we got in the Phantom Menace. Like, it really would have came into play here. And this, the next three Star Wars films would have actually gotten to the Wills and this microbiotic world and midichlorians and how the Wills feed off the Force. And this sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, I like his little. You kind of pick up his little dig too, right? Like, sure. Yeah. They, I, even he he kind of acknowledges that it possibly would be terrible. Yeah. But it's like kind of makes the dig that well, at least there's closure. Like at least it's not going to be a never ending. Well, you know, you hated the Phantom Menace, so you're gonna hate this too. Yeah, but at <laughs> least you get an ending. <laughs> it takes all the fantasy out of it when you fucking try to like throw in like fake science into this shit. Yeah. At I least agree. at least Gene Roddenberry tried to give us as realistic science as he could. You know? Like George is just making shit up. Midichlorians? <laughs> yeah. 
I could see him walking into Disney with his uh, his treatment because I think he had some suggestions as to what they do in the next trilogy when he sold the rights. <laughs> yeah, I could see him coming in there with the, the script like, and it's like, Disney it's, just dropping that in the wastebasket. It's like finding out, like you know, like uh, in in Snow White that uh, you know when she eats the poisoned apple and she she fucking like. Is sitting, just laying there, and we gotta wait for the prince to kiss her, and we find out that the prince had to apply a certain kind of like antibiotic, uh, lip balm that would bring her out of her coma or whatever fucking, like, don't know, I just, it's, he loved, it's, 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 it's love, and he kissed her, and, and, and love woke her up, right? Like, I, that's the force. Like the force is just like what Yoda said. It's like it's what binds the universe and shit, right? You know, it's not about yeah. It's not a microbiotic thing. Like I don't need that shit. I just sometimes you just need you want to believe that it's just it's fantasy. And I feel like God, he just deconstructs his own beautiful universe that he creates with each and every iteration that he brought us. Like we got <laughs> midichlorians in in the Phantom Menace. And then, like, here he's just basically, he's going all like, uh, fucking, uh, Bill Nye, George Lucas science guy by the fucking, by episode seven through nine and trying to get us. Yeah, this- we're gonna visit the midi chlorians in those movies. <laughs> 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 fucking microbiotic shit. <laughs> Revenge of the midi chlorians is gonna be episode nine. Right. Okay. I, Osmosis Jones, you ever see that fucking movie? Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Osmosis Jones, holy shit! I haven't thought about that in years. Fucking, that was Chris Rock, right? Yeah, yeah. God, that was on the back of like every fucking comic. Book it was four months straight. I remember that. Yeah, I probably have some of those comic books laying around. <laughs> oh, surely, surely you do. Um, yeah, me and Joe Stark talked about that. Joe Stark was we were doing a, a new episode of Number One Comic Books, and we, Joe Stark was talking about like an ad popping up in one of his comic books, and he's like, "I hate it when they do that," and I was like, "I love it when they do that because twenty years from now, when I go back through that comic book, I'm going to be like." Oh my god, I remember that ad, you know? Oh, I love coming Oh, yeah. Those ads. I love, yeah. Yeah. It's not as special like now as it was when we were kids when those ads were yeah. the way you saw fucking yeah. movie posters for the first time and yeah. not just instant reveal online, but Yeah. It's so cool. It's still cool. Used, it's still I used cool. I love me. those little uh, hostess ads. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of those too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, they did some fake ones like in the last like 10 years like yeah. some homage fake ones that's yeah. awesome uh yeah so uh yeah i'm glad we dodged that fucking bullet you're absolutely right tristan this sounds terrible <laughs> i want to see it dreadful uh, it sounds amazing <laughs> shut up jake <laughs> i want to see it get martin short in there <laughs> was it martin short and what, who is uh dennis quaid yeah, get them in there. I want I want them exploring the midi chlorians, yeah. finding talking to the wills. <laughs> yeah, inner space slash Star Wars. Absolutely, man. I was like, I was I was laughing so hard when I read this article. I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. I think George Lucas is trolling Star Wars. He's got to be. He's got to be. That was him, you know, basically trolling fans like he was doing after the the. The prequel trilogy. Yes. He was like, okay, you guys don't like Jar Jar. I'm going to throw him in Clone Wars. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, just give you more of what you don't want. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So, so what does he do? What does he do in the, uh, he, in the, um, in the new 
versions of Star Wars A New Hope. Like he, uh, Greedo shot first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you but, think that was a troll move? Like, yeah. is George Lucas the original and greatest troll of all time? Well, hold on. <laughs> what did he do? What did what what sh- what T-shirt was he wearing during the filming of Phantom Menace? He wore a T-shirt that said Han shot first. Hmm. Yeah, I swear to it. you. I swear to you. He's trolling. He's a fucking troll. He's trolling us. He wore a T-shirt during the filming of Phantom Menace, saying Han shot first. Like, if that's not the biggest fucking troll ever, I, I'll, dude, I think I have I that. I, I have that the guy for being bitter, though. I mean, because this sure. is his creation. It is. Fans have kind of taken that from him. It is. I don't blame him either. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Now that he's sold it, though, he needs to lay off it. He needs yeah. to let it go. But on the flip side, like, I, I, I totally get why I would... Good for him standing up for himself and not like rolling over. And I, it's, I totally, I respect that. Like when we, Jake, when we read iTunes reviews and somebody criticizes us, do we roll over and say, yeah, like, I think we should definitely change that about our show. Maybe we should uh, get right to the advertised content. No, fuck you, you yeah, fucking piece of shit. Yeah, we basically never do that. <laughs> fuck you. Just for the fact that you want us to get to right to the advertised content means that in the next episode, I'm going to fuck around for 10 extra minutes, you son of a bitch. Don't fucking, <laughs> I don't know. Jake, you can never appease some people. You can never appease some people to make some fucking yeah we're done with star wars news i'm just bitching about yeah, it i'm glad i'm point. glad brian is in, in control of star wars because he'd be like fuck you you don't like this <laughs> <laughs> fucking here's the jar jar solo movie motherfucker. <laughs> hey, brian is this the, is this the wrong time to ask you yeah. to put some time stamps in the, the episodes time oh fuck you you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> Uh, yeah. This would be a five star podcast if it was if they had the if they had the timestamps. Timestamps. Yeah, I I would love like honestly like if 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 uh, if if my if if Jake if we were part of a network like you know if we were part of like Nerdist or Smodco or one of these big fucking networks where we had our own fucking like you know producer and shit. I'd let them worry. I, we would just record, and I'd let them fucking do the timestamp shit. But I ain't, dude. I ain't got fucking. I do not have eight hours to sit around listening to our shit and marking down like when 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 do we start talking about? It sounds horrible. Fuck it. It sounds like a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I would blow yeah, exactly. my. I would blow my fucking brains out. I, like like when we first started the podcast, Jake. Like. I don't know if you remember, like, this show was killing me because I was editing and, and I would literally spend like eight hours editing an episode, like taking out pauses, taking out ums and listening to the episode and like trying to make it like so perfect for people and shit. Like when we first started, it was killing me. I, it was driving me nuts. And I actually, I got to the point where like we'd record and I'd hate it. I would dread it. Because I knew at the end of the day that I would have to fucking, I would have to like edit this shit and have to like have it just be all fucking perfect to the point where I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to edit this shit anymore. I don't care what we fucking do. I don't care if Jake spoils The Incredibles 2. I don't care if he fucking spoils, <laughs> I don't care if he spoils fucking Star Wars. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to throw it out there and see what the fuck happens. And, um, it's, it's been a lot easier for me. 
um, since doing that because like I you know I if oh my god if I could have all the time back that I have spent like uploading these podcasts and all shit you wouldn't believe the hours that I've put into this thing it is unreal it is unreal the hours that I've put in this thing and like there's times like you guys don't even know about the times where like um I'm trying to like export something and like my cat walks over the fucking computer <laughs> and like fucks up like exporting a, a file or you know my cats fuck up my shit all the time like I'll be, <laughs> I'll be leveling our audio and like cake is fuck my cake my cat cake is notorious for this like I'm cake and I'm gonna walk over the goddamn keyboard right now. Like there's two, there's two things that cake likes to do. He likes to walk over my keyboard and fuck up my files and he likes to take that fucking gigantic dildo of a goddamn tail of his and knock, knock over fucking cans and bottles. Like I will have drinks are spilled daily around this household because of that goddamn cat. I love him to death, though. I love him to death. He's a, he's a, he's a beautiful fucking cat. I love him. But anyway. Yeah. I think our li- I think our listeners appreciate kind of the rawness that we bring him now for, like, you know, basically 200-plus episodes. So. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, it's either that or I quit. Like, seriously, like, if I had to go through <laughs> If I had to listen to this shit and edit stuff out, Jake, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I quit. I can't do it. There's no way. No way. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, I probably listened to four episodes in entirety, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I honestly, like, oh, I'll throw this out there. We're going to end here soon. That's all I got for Star Wars news. Yeah, George Lucas, terrible idea. What the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> um, but as far, if you're a podcaster, like, I listen to other podcasts. Like, I listen to, I listen to a bunch of other podcasts. I listen to podcasts that are better than us. And if you're a podcaster and if you if you're podcasting and you're only listening to your podcast and just doing your podcast and you're not you're not listening to other podcasts trying to improve yourself, you're out of your goddamn mind. You got to you got to listen you got to listen to how other people do it. You're never going to get better. Like when you, the game of pool, when you go to play pool in a pool house, if you're playing somebody that's just as good as you, you're never going to get better. You gotta play the guy who's gonna kick your ass. You gotta get your ass kicked a few times in chess. You gotta get your ass kicked a few times in pool. You gotta get your ass, you know, you know, Rocky had to be, he had to go the distance with Apollo Creed to get better. And that's the thing, if you're podcasting and you're only just doing your shit and you're not listening to people that are better than you, if you're not listening to the Joe Rogans, the Kevin Smiths, the guys that are kicking your ass and just doing better at shit, then you're never gonna get better at what you do. You're never gonna get better. You're just gonna, you're just gonna stall. You're just gonna sit there. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta branch out and you gotta listen to podcasters that are doing it and doing it better than you. And you gotta strive for that. I'm not saying to replicate them, like bring your own fucking whatever to it, but you gotta listen to people that are better than you. Right? Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're Prince. Unless you're Prince. Exactly. Then fuck it. You're the best already. Listen to your own shit. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It goes with everything, man. I listen to, you know, other people's podcasts too. And I'm kind of like, I have a bunch of podcasting idols and I feel like just listening to them and like how they handle themselves in situations like improves my own like thought process, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. just hours and hours of listening. And you're right. It, it applies with fucking everything, like everything. anything you do. If you watch someone 
better than you do that thing, like you, you learn from their techniques. Oh God. When you have a micro penis, you really got to take all that into account. You know what I mean? I, I, there's really nothing you could do at that point. Dude, like seriously, I've tried every trick in the book. Like you got to turn off the lights. You got to use a cucumber. You got, I mean, anything, you know, and you got, you got to, what's fucked up about that is you got to heat it up in the microwave at the right time before it cools off because you don't want to like, you don't want it to feel like a cold, like a cold vegetable just sliding up in that vagina. It's got to feel natural. It's got to feel like, it's got to feel like it's a dick actually going up in there, right? Jeez. So, <laughs> You're like the Stan Winston of dildos. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to compensate for my micro penis. I've never been able to satisfy a woman or give a woman an orgasm in my entire life. Like this is like, this is, this is the curse that I'm dealt with. You know, according to, uh, said iTunes reviewer, uh, that says that, uh, you know, we've got to overcompensate, uh, you know, just like big trucks and shit. Cause I've never been able to satisfy a woman in my entire life, Jake, ever in my entire life. I got a small cock. It's like, seriously, it's minuscule, microscopic. It's embarrassingly small, Jake. Just, just ridiculous. I am like, I'm, Literally, I'm like a I'm a Ken doll with a zit on my crotch. It's yeah, it's Unix have bigger dicks. Than exactly, you. exactly. You know, <laughs> so you know it's it's crazy. I've I've had to construct. You know, I've had to buy strap-ons. It's almost I'm almost a lesbian at this point, Jake. It's so fucking weird. Um, I don't I don't even know if my body produces sperm at this point. Like, you know, it's it's weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. We're just over. We 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 thought to ourselves, Jake. We can't. We are not good at love making at all. So let's do a podcast. <laughs> seems seems like a natch. Yeah. Let's hey, hold on, Jake. Let's do a mediocre podcast at that. <laughs> we don't want to overcompensate too much. Yeah. If only that iTunes reviewer just knew how much they're dictating the course of the show. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It has dominated this episode. Right? Right? It is dominant. But see, the next episode, I I probably won't even bring it up. It's about time your micro penis dominated something. <laughs> it's about damn time. Oh man! Oh god! Oh, it's gotta feel good. Oh, oh man! On a micro level, it does, Jake. <laughs> oh man! Maybe your micro penis can be in the George Lucas Star Wars sequels. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trusty sidekick of no, it's, it's a midichlorian. <laughs> uh, Brian's, Brian's micro penis shot first. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, fuck. Uh, Tristan, I oh, wanna man. I wanna thank you so much for being on this episode, man. Hey, appreciate having me. Was, and uh, can I move now? Yeah, you can. Yes, you, no, yes. seriously. You can back to back to back to the <laughs> Is it uh was it fun? Was it fun? Did you have it a good time? It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I right. mean I, I listen to you guys every week and yeah. you know, after appearing on uh episode two hundred yeah. I always want to come back. It was 
elated, Brian, that you you know sent me that invite. So I yeah, it. I've I've wanted you back on. I remember I still remember you talking on episode two hundred and and regaling us of your story of like listening to John Williams, and I was like, this guy's a Star Wars fan. I know that that your fandom is Star Wars, and I was like. We have zero Star Wars news this week, really. So I was like, I was like, I was hoping, but uh, you did, you did fantastic. I hope to have you back on. I mean, I hope to have you back hey, on in the future. Give, give me the invite as long as the listeners don't want to ban me because of my shifty McShifter. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> um, I like how it happened right after he said it there too. That was cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. There, that, that was uh, serendipitous, wasn't it? Did yeah. you really hear it? I don't know what yeah. the fuck that is, dude. No, no. I want you to listen. I want you to. I want you to listen to this episode and just. I want you to hear Shifty McShifterson makes multiple appearances. It's crazy. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's right around the Wonder Woman talk. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It goes nuts. Then, like, you were doing so well. Like, I don't know what you were doing before, but something changed. You know what I mean? Like something changed there, and then like all of a sudden it was just like, whoa! What world have I entered? It was weird. So yeah, cause I, I I figured it wasn't me because I I honestly I pace a lot while we podcast, and no one like yeah. no one's ever said, Jake, stop pacing all over the place. So. That's true. I've never like, noticed that. I've never noticed that. Do you pay? Do, do is it me? Have like because I know like I I paced a lot when I was married. My ex wife used to drive me up a goddamn wall, and I used to pace a lot with that fucking woman. Oh my god, I used to pace all the time. Is it me, Jake? Do I make you pace? I just don't think I have a an uber comfortable seat. I think that's something I need to finance in the next couple of years. All right, you know? uh, pace pecan sauce. Are you a fan? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay, what like what's your favorite salsa or picante sauce? Do people call <laughs> it picante sauce? I'm, I'm plain everything. Is, I don't... is paste the only picante sauce? Like, do you ever like when do you ever hear about picante sauce other than paste? Right? <laughs> yeah, chi, like Chi Cheese has it. Well, Chi Chi Cheese has salsa, right? They did, did they call it Chi Cheese picante sauce? Yeah, I, I don't know. Is like who's pecan- who? No, who's waving the the flag of picante sauce other than Pace? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not an expert in this field. Like, what is all. the difference between picante sauce and salsa? Can anybody tell <laughs> me this? I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> like, like I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Like, like, like if you, like if you taste something, like where's the differentiation between picante sauce and salsa? You know what I mean? It's like the difference between a pamphlet and a brochure. What the fuck? Right? (laughs) The picante sauce. Get the fuck out of here, you pretentious salsa loving prick. Ridiculous. I'm still hung up on being compared to your ex-wife. I'm pretty, I'm pretty offended. (laughs) Well, hold on. I used to, like, my ex-wife used to drive me up a wall sometimes, and so I used to pace back and forth with her. Um, and so, like, I didn't know if, like, I had the same effect on you, like, when we're talking, like, we're getting to our Spider-Man homecoming thing, and, you know, you're pacing back and forth, or, like, I'm talking about, like, my love of Terry Crews as well. Oh, no, any time we're, like, having a heated argument, usually that freezes me up. Usually I'm, like, completely still during those. Oh, wow. It's more, it's more candid conversation, just kind of moving around. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tristan, you gonna chime in on this picante sauce shit? For not to, but I mean, since we're on the topic, yeah. nobody has ever asked that question. Nobody has ever questioned pace 
on their picante sauce. You know what I mean? They just, we just accept it. We accept it that they have picante sauce and the rest of the world is shoving salsa in our faces. I think that there needs to be an investigation. I want to know the difference between picante sauce and salsa. That's seriously. Netflix, you're talking about a woman falling down a staircase and lacerations on her head. You should be fucking dealing with the real news. What the fuck is going on with picante sauce and salsa? Here we go. What is the difference between salsa and picante sauce? <laughs> All right. In salsa, the ingredients are chopped in order to give a nice texture for dipping, whereas in picante, the ingredients are blended smoothly, giving it an added benefit of being used as a flavor booster in recipes. Holy shit. Well, so p- picante is like you can use to add to make other stuff, where mm. you can't do that with salsa because it's got all the it's, – it's not fine, finely chopped enough. Well, Pace, Pace, you are off my radar for right now. You are fine. You are, you, it's fine. All right. Okay. All right. No, no. See, I, hey, you guys would have never known that had I not brought that up, right? I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking the important questions, right? And other people do make it. I'm seeing there's an Ortega picante sauce. There's a Whataburger Tostitos picante sauce. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, but I think Pace is like it's like Jello at this point. They've yeah, really cornered yeah. the market. They've on it. cornered the market on picante sauce. When you think picante sauce, you're thinking Pace. Pace is the place for picante sauce. <laughs> yeah. Until seeing these pictures, I agree. I could not think of a single other. I was like, man, you're right. I think they just that's just something they made up, and it's oh. just salsa. Oh no, it's nobody's saying like, uh, hey mom, uh, when you go to the store, can you pick up some picante sauce? <laughs> What kind do you want? What, which, what kind of picante do you want, honey? Oh, give me the Tostitos picante. No, no, you're just, you're picking up pace. Pace is, pace is the place for picante sauce. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, time to eat. I know, it's time to get out of here. Tristan, do you ever think that we were going to end this on picante sauce? Well, you know what? You invited the Star Wars guy here, and you guys talk more about fucking micro penises and picante sauce in Star Wars. <laughs> well, Tristan, I want to thank you again for being on the show. We're going to have you back uh, in the future. I had a great time talking with you, so we'll definitely have hey, you likewise. back. Likewise. Absolutely. So, guys, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, Thank you for listening, and thank you for your patronage. We will see you next week for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. See you then. Yeah, later, later, y'all. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the tough.
Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.